Brother Bo, man, we are so thankful to have you on the 307 podcast, man. Thank you for being here. Well, you're welcome. I I enjoy talking. Uh, somebody posted something on Facebook, said, uh, uh, if you could do one thing that you could win a gold medal in, what would it be? And I put down talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Bo? That's perfect, man, because that's the whole point of us coming together today is to sit down and talk. So, um Man, I tell you, it's uh, it's it's really an honor to have you on here. And you know, Bo, I I, I have never met you before. I've heard a lot about you, um, I but but I don't know where you came from. I'd like to start with that. And learn a little bit about you, brother. All right. Well, I I can tell you, uh, I'm a Texas born, Texas bred, and when I die, I'll be Texas dead. Well, what uh, are you doing in Georgia, Bo? Uh, I was kidnapped by my wife, who was an alien, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was brought out here. But uh, no, my uh, this is where my wife is from, and uh, this is where she wanted to live after we retired. So, you know, if mama's happy, daddy's happy, you know. And uh, But I lost her in uh, 2018 to cancer. And uh, I've had people say, uh, if something happened to Penny, would you go back to Texas? And I'm like, well, not unless I can take all my kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids with mm -hmm. me. No, I'm, I'm just going to stay right where I'm at. Yep, yep. And Georgia's not too bad a place to be, but I'm going to tell you what, Bo. You Texas boys, I think y'all <laughs> supply about 75% of the U.S. military with their candidates. Right. I mean, I served with a pile of Texas boys, and every one of them were solid men. And and I'm talking about every one of them. I don't remember ever serving with a man from Texas that wasn't good to go. And every one of them, they said exactly what Bo just said. They belong to the great state of Texas, uh. <laughs> and they and something about that state. Uh, they, they're just they're doing something right over there. So. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I just uh, rewatched uh, American Sniper with uh, Chris Kyle, yep. and you know, and uh, in some regards, uh, uh, you know, uh, Chris Kyle and I were alike, and uh, and I have to say, uh, as well as my uh, my brothers and and my dad, uh, uh, my dad, uh, I didn't have to go uh, to movies to see it. John Wayne, uh, John Wayne lived at my house. Uh, my dad was a uh, World War II vet, 1st Marine Division, Guadalcanal, wounded, uh, got out, enlisted in the Army, fought with the 2nd Infantry Division in Korea, and, and done two tours in Vietnam before he uh, passed away from cancer. And uh, likewise, my two brothers, uh, both military vets, uh, my youngest brother Johnny was 1st uh, Cav, Vietnam, uh, my uh, uh, middle brother, the one that's next to me, uh, he was first cow uh, in when they were in Korea. So, wow, I, man, <laughs> what a career! You're, you you talk about your father. I mean, I've never even heard of a career like that. So he was in the Marines, got wounded, and got out. And World then, War Two, and then re-enlisted in or enlisted in the army, right? And went and served under them, right? Yeah, man. Uh, uh, we were kind of like ping pong balls. He would, uh, he went to Vietnam, come back. I went to Vietnam, come back. 
Uh, Dad went back to Vietnam, come back. My brother went to Vietnam, come back. Uh, wow. Uh, mm. uh, for, fortunately, I guess, in a way, uh, uh, when I come back from Nam, I went to Germany, and I was in Germany for uh, almost three years. So uh, by the time I come back, Vietnam was starting to wear, wind down, so I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, go back, but I, I would have. Uh, where, where were you at in Germany? Bo? Uh, uh, Mainz, uh, Mainz okay. Lee, Lee Barracks, uh, the, uh, 509th Airborne, was, uh, Lee Barracks. And, uh, I wasn't with the 509th, but I was with a small detachment and, uh, I worked with, uh, military intelligence, the MI, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, we were like four officers and like, uh, seven or eight enlisted men. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> I spent some time in Stuttgart myself during my career. Oh, so oh, yeah. You, you can have some fun in Germany. Oh, definitely. At, at least nowadays. I don't know how it was back then, but it was a, it's a wonderful place to just have a little reprieve. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, it's a, a beautiful country, and uh, uh, I was actually there uh, when I was a younger soldier uh, with the uh, picture you see there with the uh, 10th Combat, Engin- Combat Engineers and uh, – and, uh, I uh, I tell people uh, I was raised uh, by uh, uh, Christian background. It's based on the foundation that my grandmother laid for me. Uh, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink all the way through high school. They put me through basics, advanced training, sent me straight to Germany. And it was like throwing a starving kid in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, <laughs> I bet it was, Bo. I can only imagine, brother. I want to go back and talk about you. You what? Why did you decide to join the army, and what was that process like back in those days, Bo? Well, uh, I uh, uh, I'd been with my dad. Uh, we he was uh, stationed in Germany with the uh, at the time the Tenth Infantry Division, and. Uh, I uh, went uh, two years of high school in Nuremberg, Germany, and we came back, and uh, Dad came back to Fort Benning, Georgia, and uh, I went to the 11th grade at uh, Baker High School, which I I, I don't think exists anymore. Uh, I took uh, one year of ROTC there, uh, which which is a lot different than ROTC they have in high schools now. I mean, we, we actually had real weapons you know yeah uh, uh you know i uh when i went in the army i could already fill strip uh m1 rifle and i knew uh you know all the general orders the code of conduct and all of that and uh but uh, i wanted to graduate from my hometown so i went back to uh lano and i stayed with my grandparents and when i come out of uh lano high school uh i uh Wanted to go back and visit with mom and dad, and uh, they were still at Fort Benning. So, uh, and I just ha- had the desire to join the military. Uh, and uh, I'll tell people uh, right now: uh, I believe in God, I believe in country, I believe in the Constitution of the United States and the American people, and that's my priorities. And it mm. it is today. And. Uh, I took an oath to uh, uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States, and as long as I can creep crawl on this earth, I I will defend that. And that's 
the way I am today. I couldn't say it no better than that, Bo. We need more men like that. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, brother? Man, that is awesome, Bo. Yeah. And buddy. when you when you enlisted in the Army, what year was that, Bo? Uh, 1960. 1960. Right. Okay. <laughs> what was going on back then? Uh, well, uh, wasn't a lot at that particular time, uh, but uh, – after I, uh, while I was in Germany, uh, I was supposed to come back to the States in uh, 1962, but I got extended because of the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, which uh, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with it, uh, you know, but uh, that was when uh, the Russians were putting missiles in Cuba, and uh, John Kennedy, you know, uh, uh, put up the blockade, the naval blockade to keep uh, Russian ships from coming in and uh, and uh, it looked like for a while that we might be on the brink of a, a major conflict uh, but thankfully they they backed down and uh, and uh, uh, at that particular time a lot of you know uh, we still had the draft and a lot of the draftees uh, got extended past their ETSs because of the uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, uh, uh, at, right after that happened, I, I, I applied uh, for Army Special Forces. And uh, they sent me a thing back saying, wait till 90 days before your uh, ETS and resubmit. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you I know you're wanting me to re-enlist. That's what you're wanting me to do. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, I actually uh, came back to the States. I got out of the military. Uh, I went back to Texas uh, and uh, working on a ranch for a little while. And uh, my uh, uh, dad was at that time was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana, and uh, as was uh, my future wife's dad. And... So uh, I wanted to go down and visit my family, and that's where I met my wife. And I'm thinking, well, I'm making like $10 a day working on a ranch. I want to get married. I want to have kids. So I re-enlisted into the Army and uh, uh, stayed there for a career. I retired in May of 1982. Wow, Bo. <laughs> and so when you re-enlisted for this this second time, you didn't you didn't have to go back through boot camp or mm-hmm. you just they just brought you right back in the mix, pretty much. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 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 temporarily, while I was waiting for an, uh, uh, an assignment, uh, I was uh, doing duty at the reception station uh, when you had new troops coming in. For they moved over to the training units. Uh, and I was responsible for making sure uh, that their barracks were clean. Uh, I would take them to get their first inoculations, uh, you know, mm-hmm. their first issue of clothing, and uh, pretty much uh, almost like a uh, a drill sergeant. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then I came down orders for Italy, and uh, where I went to uh, the uh, southern. I was assigned to the Southern European Task Force, which was a uh, a joint uh, or a NATO type uh, operation. I worked with uh, uh, German soldiers, uh, uh, Italian, and 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 some French uh, with training and uh, uh, 
we were just a NATO unit organization. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, supposed to be over there three years. Uh, I had to do uh, borrow money to get my wife over there because I, I was about to ask, where was she at? Cause you're well, in Italy, you're in Germany. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, uh, uh, she was pregnant and I had to wait till my son was born, uh, before I, uh, uh, could get him over there and uh uh and I, I i dropped all the way back down to a private e2 uh you know when i came back in that's I, right and uh so uh i borrowed the money from american express and uh got my family over there and uh, uh i was supposed to be there three years and uh to show you uh, uh spouses of military people don't get the honor and respect they deserve my wife deserves that she deserves the most utmost respect because she had to deal with a lot of things that uh, you don't occur in you know like in civilian life and one of them was uh uh they uh, called me up on the phone this was on the 30th of june and they said uh you got orders to go back to the states and i said okay uh my time here is not up yet you got orders to go back your plane leaves on the 11th of july so we had from the uh the 30th of june to the time we boarded on the plane to get everything packed Gosh. up to ship back to the states and uh i asked uh, how much time from the time i leave here to i have to report to fort bragg north carolina and they said you got five days so we got back to uh, Fort Bragg. We had no sheets, no dishes, no nothing. Mm. Uh, my, my car, we came back by plane. Everything else came back by boat. <laughs> Man. Oh. So, yeah, so, everything else was behind you. Then. Yeah. 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 So uh, I was uh, training at Bragg, and uh, I was at Bragg nine months, and then I'm on my way to Vietnam. <laughs> so did they bring you back from overseas back to the States because uh, – the, was Vietnam just kicking up? I mean, what and year this, was this? This was uh, uh, in uh, uh, 1966 when I came back. Okay. And uh, uh, and early in uh, 67, I was on my way to, to Vietnam. Okay. Uh, and, and what uh, what was your MOS in the Army at this time? Uh, uh, 11 Bravo Infantry. Okay. All right. And, uh, 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 and in uh, April of... 67 before i went to dom nom and you'll you'll appreciate this because i uh uh we jumped into puerto rico for a training exercise uh where i i believe the uh, navy seals do still do part of their training at roosevelt roads i don't know if they still do or mm -hmm. not but I, I i i assume they do so uh uh we kind of got into a little physical contact between <laughs> us and the, did you really well we uh we kind of uh it wasn't wasn't we were doing physical tra seeing who could do the most push-ups oh most, yeah you know. that sounds about right <laughs> we didn't get any you know physical fights but you know we were we were trying to impress each other with our proudness <laughs> well here's these navy guys i mean the seal teams back then that was a brand new unit yeah back yeah. then so yeah. yeah gosh man i wish i could have I just wish I could go back and see what it was like back then for you guys. I mean, it's, well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I have utmost respect for, uh, anybody, 
whatever branch they served in. Uh, I don't I don't care uh, if you were a supply clerk or finance clerk. You know, uh, the, the army uh, has a lot of combinations, a lot of different parts, and they work together. Yep. And uh, so you know, if you served. I respect you very greatly, and you deserve everybody's respect. I'll say the same thing, Bo. I, it, when you go and sign the dotted line, you are writing a blank check that's payable for the amount up to and including your life because right. you don't know. Even if your MOS is a supply clerk, you right. get sent downrange. Some, you don't know where you're going to end up. You belong yeah. to the U.S. government. Right. And that's and, a risk that everyone takes. Yeah, especially uh, – in today's age and time, uh, you know, at one time you used to have what you call front lines, but in Vietnam, uh, places like that, there are no front lines. Yeah. Ever, I mean, uh, you could get, uh, to, to give you an example, uh, uh, SOG headquarters was located in, uh, in uh, Saigon uh, at one time in the uh, Cholon uh, Chinese district of Saigon. And uh, I had to go in for a debriefing. And uh, the Army uh, had leased uh, old French hotels. And, uh, you know, a lot of the people uh, that were uh, worked in Saigon, you know, they're, they're, that's where their barracks was at, that, that, those hotels. And they had an open mess at one called the Capitol Hotel. And it was in walking distance from where uh, SOG headquarters was at. And uh, uh, it was a old French type hotel. It had a courtyard, had a courtyard wall around it. Uh, of course, they had the uh, security police, the military police. They had their white barrels with concrete and everything. And uh, so I was walking over there to go get something to eat the uh, open mess. And I, I, I'm across the street from uh, where the hotel was at before I crossed over. And I crossed over. I went past the MPs, the barrels. I just got inside the courtyard fence when I heard the explosion. And uh, contrary to what they were supposed to be doing, a lot of the uh, GIs would gather around, I guess, waiting for transportation to go back to their units after eating. They weren't supposed to be doing that. And you had all the little Vietnamese kids, you know, selling porno pictures or whatever, you know, or trying to steal money. And... What had happened was they had a, a, a Claymore set up on a bicycle uh, across the street from where I had just crossed from. Gone. And, uh, and, uh, and it just totally wiped them people out that was in front. I mean, I hit the ground when I heard the explosion. And I started back out, and uh, they had a sniper up in the top of the building across, you know. And he's, he was trying to engage me and the, uh, uh, the MPs because they had been largely protected from the uh, Claymore. And uh, uh, we finally, we killed the guys uh, up there. And, but, I mean, there was just bodies thrown all over the place, little Vietnamese kids. Uh, uh, you know what a Claymore can do to oh, people. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, uh, and I'm thinking – Man, I, you know, I, I'm out here running in the bush. You know, I expect to try to get killed. But I, here I'm in Saigon going to uh, eat dinner at an open mess. And I come, I mean, just a uh, few seconds slower, 
and I'd have been right in the blast area. Man, you know? Wow. And, and that's a perfect example of what we just were talking about, Bo. Yeah. That's a perfect example. And yeah, a claymore, a claymore mine is a is is a serious piece of ordnance. Yes, and, it is. And that and that's a tactic that even in this current war they have used over <laughs> and over again is that claymore essentially is an IED. Yeah. So they set they'll set this this claymore this IED off and then they'll have snipers into position and then when everybody rushes in yeah. to help the victims of the IED that's when they engage. Right. Right. So this is a it, these same tactics are being used over and over again. Yeah. Um uh the thing thing with uh, Charlie was uh where there was one there was another one waiting to take uh, uh, advantage of your reaction. Yes. You know, uh, I mean, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, if you were a, a Levin Bush, you know, and you're out on patrol and you're walking across the, the dikes at the rice paddies, you know, and they have a booby trap there, you know, your natural reaction is you're going to get off the dike down at the side, and that's where the second ones are at, yep. or the third one. Uh, and, uh, a good example uh, of, of what I'm talking about is this one actually occurred uh, in in Saigon. They had a uh, a restaurant uh, that was out floating on the water, and uh, and uh, they had a, I, I don't know what they used, but they had an explosive blast at the rear. So, you know, the reaction is everybody starts running out the front. The front, yeah. That's where the second one is. is that's where you get the most casualties. Yep. You know. Uh, so these so. guys were sharp. Uh, oh, yeah. And I want to talk yeah. more about them here in yeah. a minute. I, I want to go back okay. real quick, Bo. Right. And, and right. I, I want to talk about that when they pulled you and your family back here to the States yeah. to basically you're, you're here in this 11 Bravo infantryman, and then, you know, Vietnam, they know it's coming you have to do this training cycle leading up to Vietnam. Yeah. What was that training like? Because this was a brand new war, a brand right. new environment. What was that like? Well, it was uh, uh, basically uh, uh, like a recondo school, you know, because I, you know, uh, I'd done, uh, actually done a recondo, uh, recon before uh, when I was in Germany. Even when I was with combat engineers, I used to do recon. And, uh, the uh, training was uh, uh, pretty much you, you uh, had to run a, a nine miles to complete the course uh, with you know, full equipment and uh, a little extra weight to uh, make it bad and uh, and uh, just uh, regular combat training, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but I, I I can tell you right now, and I, I I've talked to uh, Calhoun High School, I've talked to uh, Gordon Central High School uh, and and Ashworth Middle School, and, I, and one of the things I tell people, I don't care what kind of training you went through. I don't care if you went through Special Warfare Center. I don't care if you went through uh, Advanced Infantry Training or uh, at at Fort Polk. They had a a, a village set up uh, uh, to train, you know, for uh, uh, Vietnam to simulate Vietnam. Sim yeah. yeah. But there's nothing that prepared you for Vietnam. Vietnam, what we had, to me, we had uh, military leaders that were a lot of veterans from Korea, or not Korea, well, Korea and World War, World War II. II. yeah. And 
they were trying to fight a conventional war in an unconventional situation. Yep. And we were totally unprepared for it. I mean, uh, uh, and, and, and the, the bad thing about it was, uh, if you, uh, were, went over to Vietnam and by the time you learned how to really, uh, be uh, fishing in your job and doing everything, then if you're still alive, you're rotating back to the States mm -hmm. and you got a new guy coming over doing the same thing. Yep. Uh, we probably had more success, you know, uh, when you had a, a unit ro rotating over and a unit rotating back because you had the same people all the yep. time. But, uh, uh, and the other thing, uh, in, in Vietnam is, uh, and I use the example is uh, Aishao Valley, uh, heavily populated by North Vietnamese regulars. I'm not talking about, you know, Viet Cong. I'm talking about North Vietnamese regulars that were Russian trained, uh, you know, uh, Russian equipped. And uh, you could send the uh, first cow in, push the NVA and the Viet Cong out. First cow comes right back out. NVA and the Cong come right back in again. Then you repeat the same process over and over again. We we didn't take a lot of things and hold it. Oh you know? yeah, and uh, so you know that's where you had all these casualties because uh, you're just doing the same thing. Uh, and uh, uh, if uh, they had let my old uh, boss uh, from uh, the chief of SOG run Vietnam, uh, we would have shut down anything coming from. North Vietnam down through Laos or Cambodia, uh, we would shut it down. Uh -huh. uh, well, uh, I want to ask you too, Bo, for uh, for a lot of I think a lot of our listeners um, are you, you know a younger generation, and I want to hear from your perspective what was what was the war all about? What was Vietnam all about? What was going through your head when you heard I, now I've got to go over here and this is for real? What was this all about, man? Well, uh, when, uh, uh, my thought was when I first come down on orders, you know, uh, you know, this is the all American boy going over to fight for, uh, God and country, mm -hmm. you know? And then I realized, uh, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, and, uh, Vietnam, uh, uh, say you're the average, uh, Vietnamese uh, peasants. You're a farmer. You got your rice fields, and you're being uh, killed by uh, and uh, uh, tortured by communists, and you're being killed and tortured by your own government. The uh, South Vietnamese government was corrupt, and uh, my attitude that that changed uh, over the period of time I was in Vietnam. I was fighting for the Vietnamese people. Yep. That's who I was fighting for. Yep. I mean. Uh, for their for their freedom, their, their liberty. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what I was fighting for. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, you know, everything else was, 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 was gone. You know, that's yep. what I was fighting for. I, I, you know, I knew I wasn't over there, you know, to, to save America or anything else. I was over there fighting for the Vietnamese people. And, wow. uh, and, uh, and I, 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 we, uh, uh, after all we done, 
we uh, uh, some some of our most loyal people that I encountered uh, in Vietnam was the Mountain Yard tribesmen, the Hills people. They were uh, almost I I I, I put them to get like uh, they were like the American Indian was to here in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, they. Uh, the Vietnamese uh, uh, didn't like them. They didn't like the the Vietnamese. Uh, they were they were tribes. I mean, they you could take a young mountain yard boy, and uh, by the time he's uh, maybe eight, nine, or ten years old, he could track, he could trap, and they lived like that. Mm-hmm. And they, they were kind of a primitive people, but they were also very loyal to us. And uh, my understanding was uh, if we ever pulled out, we were going to bring the mountain yards out with us. And, uh, and of course, I, I, I wasn't there at the time, but uh, uh, some of the uh, special ops people were moving them over to uh, uh, where they could picked up, be picked up by Navy ships to be brought out. And, uh, and that didn't happen. Mm. The ships weren't there, uh, and basically, what they wanted from us was just give us weapons, give us ammo, give us whatever we need, and we will keep fighting. Keep fighting, yeah. And and uh, and but we left them there, and uh, I believe there was an estimated like maybe two thousand uh, mountain yards uh, uh, alive when we left, and. Uh, Eventually, uh, they found maybe 200, 250 uh, in refugee camps in uh, Cambodia and Laos. And uh, some of those were eventually brought back uh, and mostly located around uh, Fort Bragg, you know, because mm-hmm. they were d- used to dealing with the Army Special Forces people. And uh, so we pretty much shafted the, uh, the mountain yards. Uh, and That's so cool, Bo. I never knew about uh-uh. that kind of subculture yeah. within the Vietnam culture there. Yeah. Sounds like they were some awesome woodsmen and warriors. Oh, uh, yes, they were. I mean, uh, <laughs> I could only imagine being yeah. able to fight alongside those guys. Yeah. Well, they, uh, I mean, like I said, they were primitive uh, kind of people, uh, and but they, uh, you know, they hated the, uh, the Vietnamese because they, you know, the Vietnamese, uh, mistreated them uh yeah uh, uh <coughs> excuse me but uh uh if you were on if you were on a uh if you had mountain yards on your team you knew uh that they were going to be with you no matter yeah. what you got into they were going to be with you sometimes uh, sometimes the vietnamese you couldn't count on them i yeah. mean you might you might get in a firefight and look around, and the Vietnamese are gone, you know, and you're you know you're there by yourself, you know. Uh, and I could understand it because you know, uh, uh, I could told you, you know, the uh, they were caught between two things: the, uh, your average Vietnamese uh, person, they were caught between a corrupt government and and the communists, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, 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 some of the uh, uh, best ones were the Ranger trained. Uh, uh, Vietnamese, but uh, your average Vietnamese, you know, they they were going to get shafted one way or the yep. other. So, uh, yep. Well, when you <laughs> when you finish your workup, Bo, and and you you ship off, you go. This this will be your 
basically would be your first trip to Vietnam, combat deployment, the right. war's on. Right. I want to know, I want to get a picture of what it's like when you show up there. <laughs> what is it? When you get boots on the ground, I mean, it's like a, it, it is a whole nother world, man. Yes, it is. And you've traveled, you've done some traveling prior to this, but it seems like it's all been pretty much first world country. So yeah, right. what is it like over there? You didn't have well, CCR playing in the background while your feet was hanging <laughs> over the helicopter, did you? <laughs> he might've been there at some point. Well, I'll I, I tell you, I, uh, on the music thing, I, I know I listened to other music when I was in Vietnam, but the only song I, that I can remember that plays through my head is one, uh, one, two, three, that's how elementary it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, and uh, of course, the uh, you know, uh, uh, Special Forces guys are uh, innovative, uh, and uh, after Barry Sadler come out with the uh, Ballad of the Green Beret, uh, Somebody had the uh, Vietnamese make some music boxes, and they were selling them out of, out of one of the bee detachments for uh, $5 a piece that played Ballad of the Green Beret. No <laughs> kidding, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it tinkled it out. <laughs> that is funny, man. But, uh, I mean, it's amazing. I, I know I listened to other music when I was over there, but just that, and that guy sang it was Lynn Berry, was, and, uh, and that's the only thing I can remember. <laughs> it's etched into your mind. <laughs> right. That is pretty cool, man. But, uh, so uh, you get you you show you what you show up. I mean, is it hot? Is it, uh, yeah. it like what is what's going on? Well, uh, by an initial uh, thing when I uh, I was before I even got on the ground in Vietnam, uh, our plane was coming into uh, Benoit uh, Air Base. And uh, and uh, we, we couldn't land because they were being mortared. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, man. they were under rocket mortar wow. attack. So uh, we had we had to circle for a while before we come down. And uh, I wound up spending the uh, the night there at Benoit, uh, uh, what they used to call Long Bend Junction or Camp, uh, Camp LBJ. And uh, uh, they had a, a water faucet. Uh, no basin or anything. So I, I you know, I'm uh, having to clean up, you know, with just water running out of the pipe. And uh, uh, initially, uh, it uh, it was really a, uh, kind of a shock, you know. Uh, and uh, but uh, you know, I don't remember uh, a whole lot of outside of that. And uh, now, were uh, you with your were you with your whole unit? No, when no, I. Uh, uh, when I got there, uh, you know, we went to, uh, the, uh, my, my initial, uh, thought was, uh, uh, I was going to be a, a military advisor. Uh, and, uh, then I found out I was assigned to, uh, uh, SOG. How did you get involved with, with SOG and what is SOG, Bo? Well, uh, SOG was a, uh, joint special operations. Uh, we, uh, uh, we were under one command, but we had uh, different ops, and uh, we had uh, uh, Army Special Forces, Marine Force Recon, uh, Navy SEALs, Air Commandos. If you, I mean, if you look at the, uh, uh, this is actually a, was unofficial. Uh, that wasn't supposed to 
<laughs> in existence uh, at the time. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And but we uh, we did each of our own little thing. You know, we each, uh, you know uh, the Army uh, Special Forces. We weren't worked under what they call Operation Thirty Five. And then you had like Operation Thirty Four and Thirty Three, uh, which I didn't get involved in. I was strictly with Op Thirty Five. And, and was, did you volunteer for that, Bo? Or uh, well, ninety nine percent of the uh, uh, people volunteered, even uh, you know special ops people. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, you had uh, like uh, uh, myself, you know. Uh, you know, I just. Uh, Got my orders, you know, and said, you know, duty was sock. No kidding, man. Yeah. Oh. Now I, I had. So they a, just needed a body, and you, <laughs> you were the one that that got. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, without even with op thirty five, you know, uh, sometimes uh, our casualty rate was uh, so high that uh, uh, we had to sneak a few Navy SEALs in over there to help us do things. No uh, kidding, man. Yeah. I mean. Uh, but uh, I uh, I had a dream, uh, believe it or not, and I'm looking at this big board, and it's got names down, and then it's got unit assignments on it, and uh, I get down to my name, and then it says SOG, and I'm like, you know, what is SOG? And uh, some guy come over and put his arm around me and said, man, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was right. <laughs> oh man! But uh, I, uh, I I think I was telling him, uh, you know, uh, a, a Navy uh, commander coming around. I I I never met the guy, uh, but uh, he wrote some articles uh, many many years later about Sog, mm-hmm. and uh, in one of them he said Sog guys made Rambo look like a Boy Scout. <laughs> And I tell people, oh, well, the guys I worked with made me feel like a Catholic choir boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I worked with I worked with some hardcore dudes. Uh, uh, Bob Howard uh, was put in for the Congressional Medal of Honor three times, and he should have got it all three times. Uh, I mean, I, I, I worked with guys uh, uh, that you wouldn't believe. Uh, uh, Jerry Shriver... Uh, uh, that guy, I mean, if you wanted to be with somebody in uh, fighting a, a unconventional war, yeah, he he was caught. His his nickname was Mad Dog, Mad Dog Shriver, and uh, and uh, he. Uh, but a lot of people didn't know. I mean, he, he come across. You know, I mean, he was big, bad. He was hardcore. He was tough, but underneath. He was actually afraid of dying, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, said, you know, and told his friends, you know, uh, I got to stop doing what I'm doing because, uh, you know, I'm 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 a walking dead man. Mm-hmm. And in '69, uh, after I left, uh, he he eventually got killed. Uh, and uh, man, but I, well. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, SOG. SOG is it Special Observation Group? Is well, that what it stands for? Well, what it what it really uh, uh, the whole thing was studies and observation. Studies and observation group. Yeah. Okay. That was just a cover for uh, you know uh, special ops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you know you've been assigned to SOG 
when you ship off. So yeah. you're not with a whole company of, of soldiers. Yeah. And, and so you spend the night in this in this first spot that was being mortared. So you couldn't, you, it's the real deal coming in. You realize, Oh yeah. man. And yeah. then do you, and, and then where do you go from there, Bo? Well, they, they put me on a bus and took me into, uh, Saigon and then, uh, eventually out to, uh, uh, first, uh, Bami Toot, uh, which is, uh, our, uh, Honok Tau, which was, uh, where, uh, FOB three was located at. We, uh, well, we had, uh, Basically, uh, uh, SOG was broke down into three areas. Uh, you had command control north, command control central, and command control south. And under uh, each one of those, you had two uh, forward operating bases. Uh, command control uh, north, most of the missions were uh, into northern Laos uh, or uh, into, uh, actually into north Vietnam. Uh, command control central it was located where you could run uh teams run missions uh, into uh, uh southern laos and northern cambodia and bombing two uh, uh which was uh the uh, command control south uh run missions primarily into cambodia so okay and uh we uh uh prayer prayer uh, we had code names prayer fire was pretty much uh uh Laos, uh, Daniel Boone was, uh, Cambodia, uh, uh, and, uh, you had, uh, uh, you had, uh, if you read, if you read any books by John Plaster, uh, he, he, John, he wrote like, uh, I don't know, three or four books, uh, uh, Frank Miller wrote one, uh, 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 John Stryker Myers, he's written at least one or two, I haven't, I haven't read any of uh, Stryker Myers uh, mm -hmm. books, but uh, you'll see they use the term recon uh, recon team RTs. Yep. But initially, uh, uh, we were called spike teams STs, and uh, so you had spike teams, which were uh, uh, usually six to nine man teams. You had two to three Americans, and the rest were made up of uh, indigenous people, either. Uh, Mountain Horse, Vietnamese, or uh, uh, I shoot, I'm losing my uh, Chinese nuns, uh, and uh, so, but you you never had a mixed team. You, you either had Mountain Horse, you either had or or your team was Ch Vietnamese or because uh, they didn't uh, get along. They no, didn't get along no, again. No. <laughs> yeah, not hardly. <laughs> so but, when you yeah. got to FOB three. Yeah. And FOB now stands for Ford Operating Base. Yeah. Same back then for yeah. the listeners. That's FOB Ford Operating Base. So it's a small base. Yeah. And it's 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 Ford. It's not in what the hub would have been Saigon. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's actually Ford. So they can yeah. operate out of this. Yeah. When you get there, is that when you meet your your other team members, Bo? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you come in and uh, and. Uh, uh, initially, uh, you had uh, uh, they have a uh, they run a recondo school over there, and uh, usually uh, all your uh, uh, team leaders your uh, what uh, team leader is one zero, uh, and uh, of course assistant team leader is one one. Pretty much all your uh, one zeros had to go to recondo school, uh, and uh, of course you know I, I pretty much eventually all all, all you went to recondo school and actually you uh 
uh, started out training, uh, running in-country missions, uh, you know, uh, and uh, then eventually out to, uh, you know, cross-country, across-border. So uh, your, your training was actual combat missions. Right. They were sending you on a combat mission <laughs> as a training mission. Right. Yeah. It was that's, just in country. That's unbelievable, man. <laughs> like, what in yeah. the world? Well, you know, uh, and another thing uh, a lot of people don't th- don't think about, you know, uh, when uh, when we got assigned a mission, you know, uh, it wasn't like, okay, you know, y'all going into Cam- Cambodia, you know, this is what you're going to do or – or you're going into uh, Laos, this is what you're going to do. And and you just load up and, you know, and head out, you know. Uh, we knew weeks in advance uh, where we were going and what uh, what we were going to do. And we, we would train, you know, uh, actually before every mission we would train. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we would practice uh, what we called uh, uh, IA, immediate action. That's when you get hit, you know, uh, what 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 do you do? How do you react? You know, and basically it was just a uh, a takeoff of uh, what used to be called uh, firing maneuver. Yep. You know, you got some people firing, some people moving, firing, yep. moving. You know, basically it was uh, it, uh, uh, but instead of uh, uh, using it to attack, we'd use it to try to break contact. Break contact. You know? Yeah. You know, you'd stagger and you you know. Fire, 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 move, fire, move, yep. you know. And, we uh, do the same. We get trained the same, even today, the yeah. same thing. We call it an IAD, yeah. um, immediate action drill. Yeah. And yeah. we were the similar in the in the SEAL platoons. We mainly trained to break contact because yeah. we're a small element. Yeah. We're not trying to flank or, pu- or push through the target. We're yeah. trying to break because you get compromised. Yeah. You're, you know, the, more than likely the enemy's got more people than you've got. Right. Yeah. So, Oh yeah, well I mean uh, you know if uh, if you're on a spike team you know you're definitely and uh, and you're going what we used to call going across the fence you know uh, yeah into uh, I mean there there's nobody over there that likes you you know I mean uh, so you know uh, and you're going to be outnumbered uh, you know uh, uh, in, in any situation Every time. yeah uh, well they- I I I, uh, <laughs> I, I like to. Uh, uh, mess around with people sometimes and i and i i start out telling them something they'll think they're gonna hear something really important you know and i tell them i say uh, yeah we were moving moving along a trail in uh, southern laos and everything was quiet it was nice and all of a sudden man they were all over us it was like 600 to 2 i mean it was hand-to-hand combat at times and said whew that was the two toughest guys we ever run across. Because <laughs> that's all it took to outnumber you guys. Yeah. And then, so, man, we thought we should get ready or something. My gosh, man. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of, I've always liked to mess with people. Oh, yeah. No, I love it, Bo. And uh, you, uh, now, you get the FOB3, and you you. You join up with your team. Yeah. Is it who who were who were? Do you remember your who your American team members were on your first team? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the first team I was on was uh, uh, my one zero was uh, uh, Leo Seymour, and uh, and uh, uh, and we had uh, uh, a uh, mountain yard team. 
Okay. And it was, and it was just me and uh, Seymour and uh, and six mountain yards. And uh, uh, the first uh, first mission I run was in uh, uh, July of, of the third of sixty uh, seven. And uh, and now was this an in country? training combat this, op this was actually the first real mission i run across border okay it, across. any and during any of those training ops did you take <laughs> contact or anything during that or was that uh, just generally getting you acclimated to yeah, that environment we, uh, we, we very seldom uh, had any real contact enemy contact uh, uh -huh. with with that uh, well uh, i want to hear about that first mission you ran across the fence that first op because uh, yeah. this is just these the things that you have done, Bo, uh, there's they, just nothing that I know of can compare to them. And, yeah. and I want these stories to, I, I want them to be out. So, yeah. Well, we crossed into uh, uh, Laos, and uh, we uh, had uh, moved uh, off the LZ quite a ways, and uh, we decided to uh, uh, find a, a, a cover and a good concealment area. And we went to ground, uh, just you know, just to try to observe what what we could see. And uh, we had a uh, a I guess about a platoon size uh, Viet Cong element uh, that come past us. And uh, so we got ready to. Seymour uh, uh, decided we needed to move, so. Uh, we started to move out, and about that time, uh, we had another element come from a different direction. And uh, so we got into a firefight, and we were trying to break contact, and we got uh, we got divided up. We, uh, we got separated, but we had a, a, a point uh, where we were supposed to, uh, you know, we had problems. We know we we're supposed to meet up. At, at rally X, up. At, yeah, to rally up and uh, and. Uh, uh, Seymour and I got split up, and I was with some of the yards, and a uh, few was with Seymour. And uh, uh, Seymour wasn't there when we when we rallied up. And uh, according to what some of the yards said, he was, they saw him get hit in the head. And uh, uh, but there was conflicting stories. One, of, some of them said he got hit in the head, and he kept running, and and some said he got hit in the head, and and they saw him go down. Mm -hmm. But uh, needless to say, uh, uh, his body was never recovered, and uh, he was carried as uh, uh, missing in action for a long period of time before he was eventually, you know, they had a board uh, and declared him KIA. But uh, that was my first mission. Your first uh, op and your yeah. your one zero, yeah, go get, gets KIA. Yeah. Um. And, uh, well, but, but the rest of us made it out. Uh, but, uh, in, in this scenario, you know, you guys, for, first of all, you insert via helicopter. Yeah, we go in, went, went in chopper uh, on LZ, and then, then we move off the LZ. Uh, and what's your objective? Are you just trying to patrol to contact or uh, gather well, intel? Just, or uh, uh, gather intel, you know, uh, observe, see what movements are going on. Uh -huh. uh, uh, and. Uh, and then yeah. when this firefight, when you when you do take contact in this, what's the what's the terrain like on this first op? Is it well, super well, dense jungle or what's well, it like? Yeah, we were in a uh, we were in a, a dense area, but there was a clearing, and uh, 
and we were observing uh, the trails that come, were coming across that clearing area. Uh, I'm moving away from my microphone. I'm sorry. Uh, but we were uh, uh, initially just observing what was moving across them trails. Okay. And, uh, and uh, but I, that was basically our mission was, uh, you know, just recon, check, see what was movement was going on, what was, you know, uh, what type of enemy was in the area. Gotcha. Uh, now, uh, and, uh, uh, I found out later on, uh, and uh, General Sendlob, uh well, he was a colonel when he was, uh, he was chief of SOG, but uh, uh, he stated, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, it wouldn't have made any difference, but a lot of times our, we were inserted in the area just to see what the enemy reaction was going to be, you know, yep. try, basically as bait trying to, uh, pull out Lord, uh, excuse me, larger units to, uh, to, uh, you know, to see what was there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course we would have done it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now after, I mean, that first stop you get, you know, you getting that, you get in that firefight, you're one zero. Yeah. Goes, how does that affect you, Bo? I mean, because that's a, that's, uh, that's huge, man. Yeah, it, how do you uh, move on from that and continue to operate? I mean, yeah. Well, uh, uh, initially, uh, uh, I uh, they uh, moved me. Uh, they, uh, uh, we ran a uh, a jump school over uh, uh, down below, uh, uh, right down below Cameron Bay, a place called Dompa Ten, and primarily uh, we were training uh, uh, Vietnamese Rangers. You know. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, well, it was a, a, a two-week jump school, basically. Yeah. And uh, so uh, they temporarily moved me down there because, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I was a little shaken up. I bet, uh, man. I yeah. mean, uh, 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 I, I soon developed a twitch that, that uh, uh, which was just a nervous twitch all the time, you know, my – I'd be walking along my, I'd be jerking like that. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, I stayed there for a while. Uh, and, how, and, uh, and on that first stop, how how long, how duration wise, how long were you on the ground before you were extracted from that scenario? Uh, just a couple of hours. A couple of hours. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I mean, uh, we hadn't moved that far away really from the LZ, uh, and uh, we put a, we had panels. Uh, and it, they changed. Uh, they had letters, you know, like in November, or, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, we, uh, extraction panels. We put the panel out, and uh, you know, so they'd know where we were at. And yeah. uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, you had the flares, uh, and uh, but uh, the uh, uh, the we got our we got pretty much uh, uh, back to another LZ where we could get out and. Uh, Got our panels out, and they come in and got us out. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Seymour was the only casualty uh, that we had. Uh, but that uh, was your buddy. I mean, that was yeah. your only other American on yeah. the team. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that had to have been Yeah, uh, Seymour, Seymour uh, uh, had been – he was actually a former Marine, so, uh, you know, he'd been in the Marine Corps uh, prior to getting out and joining the Army, you know, similar to what my dad did. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, – so you yeah. you get back from this op, and then you 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 need a little bit of 
time <laughs> to process what yeah. just happened. Yeah. And so you go down to jump school. How? What? How? So where do where do where do you go from there? And how was yeah. that? Did it did it help you? Kind of. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's not know, like you're coming did, back to the states, but yeah, it just kind of you know let me get my mind back together again. You know, I mean, I I mean, I. Uh, uh, it shook me up. I'm, yeah. I'm not kidding you. I mean, uh, but uh, uh, you know, and I, uh, I when I when I initially uh, you know came back, I, I uh, put, uh, was working the operations. You know, uh, uh -huh. you know, kind of like an operations in CO, and uh, and then uh, I went uh, up to uh, command control. Uh, you know, uh, central and uh -huh. uh, and. Uh, Stayed there and then I eventually wound up back down, uh, back down south, and uh, before I, you know, I left out. Uh, uh, there was a uh, uh, a lieutenant colonel by the name of Drake that kind of liked me, and uh, he was wanting me to, uh, you know, uh, kind of a ladder transfer uh, over to uh, a C detachment, uh, C five, which was at Honoctow, which was a uh, uh, you know where I was at, mm -hmm. and uh, but uh, and they were trying to get me to extend and stay over, but uh, I, you know, uh, I I wanted to be back home, you know, with my wife and my family. So uh, yeah, and uh, but I would have went back again. Uh, but uh, I mean, there was a uh, a lot of different things going on. Uh, uh, one time. Uh, uh, we uh, went in uh, into Laos, and uh, and it was really weird because every, everywhere we went, you know, we we always had the impression and uh, and uh, actively sometimes they'd actually avoid contact with us, but they'd try to be moving us in a direction that you know, like they were hurting us, like mm -hmm. they wanted uh, they wanted to funnel you yeah, into something, yeah, yeah. Uh, into that or where we couldn't get out. And uh, in this particular instance, uh, uh, it, it, every, no matter which way we moved, uh, we were coming in contact with, uh, with NVA, North Vietnamese regulars. And we could go right, we could go left, we could backtrack, we could do anything we wanted to. Yes, but, we, and, uh, but uh, you know, and we, so we come to that conclusion, you know, they're trying to move us into an area where either we can't be extracted or, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, Ambush so, or something. yeah. So, uh, uh, my, uh, one zero, uh, he, uh, come to determination, uh, we're going to find a place and we're going to, where we can, uh, make a stand. We're going to set up an ambush and we're, we're either going to, we're going to end this one way or the other, you know, mm -hmm. we, uh, we're either going to die or, or we're going to get out, you know, and, uh, so we come to this uh, a large clearing, and uh, we moved around the clearing, and on the opposite side of the clearing, uh, the ground was sloping down. So we had good, good cover, and uh, and we just went to ground, and we we waited to see what was going to happen, and uh, and a large uh, unit came in. We could see them across the, the clearing. They were uh, and they stopped at the edge of the clearing. And then they sent a squad, two squads out to either side. And then there was a, a 
about 11, 12, 13 people just come out and they started walking towards us and uh, uh, or where we were at. Uh, they didn't see us, but they were walking towards where we were at. And then they stopped and they sat down and they started smoking cigarettes uh, and uh, they're talking and uh, we're, you know, we're just wondering, you know, <laughs> yeah, waiting to see what's going to happen. Yeah. And all of a sudden, one of the yards cocked his 45. And that was the loudest noise I've ever heard in my life. I mean, and as soon as he did that and we heard that click, we opened fire and we took out all the ones that were sitting there in front of us. They were they were only like about 10 meters away from us. God, 10 meters? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, man. And, and uh and I mean, as soon as, as soon as we took them out, we're 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 running. I mean, we and uh, they were firing at us from across the clearing, or where we were at. But we're going down the slope, and everything is going over our heads. And uh, we finally got to a, a, a good LZ, and uh, we got extracted out. Uh, but uh, and it, and as it turned out, what probably saved our lives, it turned out that was their command unit. That had oh, come up and we sat down. And they had, and they oh. had, and they had the radio operators with them. So we, you know, we took out uh, and uh, the rest of them. They didn't know really what to do, so they're just shooting, you know, uh, at us. And uh, but if we hadn't, uh, uh, we hadn't took out the, the, their command unit, we'd have probably uh, all been dead. Uh, it was. <laughs> yeah, mighty. And was that the same kind of team set up that you had before, where you had? One one zero, and then you had. Well, I actually, yeah, I had, uh, you know, uh, I was kind of like the RTO on that one. Uh, we had a one zero and a one one, and I was, I was kind of like the uh, the one two or the RTO. Okay. Uh, so uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine being late, being you know, <laughs> laid up in an ambush position and having a a team of twelve NBA. <laughs> Basically, sit down ten meters from me, smoking cigarettes and yeah, and chat. Now, I wonder you guys jumped when when the, yeah. when old, when the guy cocked his forty five. Do you <laughs> think they he? saw you? Uh, huh? Do you think they saw you? Think he was about to shoot? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, we didn't know. I mean, it, uh, I know they had to hear it. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, I mean it. I mean that it just sounded extraordinarily loud to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, but. Uh, we had uh, uh, we had uh, some hardcore guys. I mean, we had some tough guys. Uh, 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 Roy Benavitez, uh, uh, Bob Howard, uh, uh, Frank Miller. Uh, uh, Miller died of uh, cancer in two thousand two. Uh, Bob Howard died about ten days before Christmas of. Uh, of uh, 2010 uh but uh i mean i i you know uh i uh i couldn't compare to some of them guys i mean uh i mean uh they were uh, unbelievable uh uh musso uh right uh al Mendez sullivan uh uh harry brown uh 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 I, I wasn't on the I wasn't on the team, uh, but uh, they went in on the twelfth of July. Uh, they went into northern Laos and uh, and it, it uh, at, at was 
at that particular time uh, that we kind of figured out, you know, somehow people were new in uh, some uh, the, uh, the Viet Cong and the NVA, uh, they knew kind of like where we were coming in at, what LZs, you know, because we, we always had flyovers, you know. We didn't, you just didn't randomly go in, you know. We, yeah. had, we had flyovers that, you know, uh, before we'd go in uh, in and. Uh, so some intel was getting leaked out yeah, to them yeah. somewhere. And uh, and the reason we got, we started suspecting this is because uh, 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 Alminares and them, uh, they were, uh, uh, they were waiting for them. I mean, and and it wasn't uh, it wasn't your average NVA or your average Viet Cong. They were Russian trained uh, North Vietnamese Special Forces. Okay, and they were waiting. And uh, uh, Sullivan and Almendrez, uh, they were they were taken out. I mean, they were gone. I mean, just bam, they're gone. Uh, and uh, Immediately once they got off the insert platform, yeah. the, the helicopter. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Brown was the only one that actually made it out alive. Uh, and uh, Brown, uh, from uh, from his elbow all the way up to his shoulder, it was like somebody had just chopped all the meat off his arm. I Gosh, mean, it uh, just, I guess, from rounds uh, going by. Uh, he had fragments of his own uh, car 15 uh in his abdomen because rounds had hit his uh, car 15 and uh Man. and uh, he had like uh uh 29 29 30 some odd grenade fragment wounds in his back good gosh almighty man. and uh when we went in we we went in to get him out uh uh we had to drag him on the chopper because uh, he wanted to stay in the fight <laughs> <laughs> hey. and uh but uh, they uh, uh, they sent him back to Tachikawa to the hospital in uh, Japan, and uh, as soon as he was well, he was right back over there again, Man. ready to go again. Uh, well, and, uh, I want to talk. I want. Uh, I want to ask you too, Bo. Uh, uh, you guys are going in to these. You guys are going over the fence to yeah. uh, in a small team. Yeah. To potentially or almost every time you're engaging a larger enemy force, what kind of gear did y'all carry as far as weapons, ammo? I mean, you you had to have been loaded for bear, man. Yeah. Uh I carried uh I, I at a minimum I carried uh, at least uh, four hundred rounds for uh whatever weapon I carried. I uh sometimes I carried uh, I like to carry a car uh, not a car uh, one of the old thirty caliber carbines, uh-huh. uh, 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 but uh, I, I liked the Car Fifteen. Uh, uh, it was like a shrunk down version of the M sixteen rifle, and uh, you'd carry it slung over your shoulder almost like a purse, you know, and you could actually fire it with one hand, you know. And uh, I'd usually carry my try to carry most of my mags over here on the left side so I could be firing and going for and reloading <laughs> good yeah somebody Re- reloading uh, yeah no uh, body armor no no uh we had an, uh, enough equipment and we carried uh you could carry uh add some uh, what we call toe poppers uh they were like little m14 uh and you could carry like uh, a, a 10 or 15 of them in a pocket you know uh uh-huh. and uh they weren't going to kill 
probably kill anybody, but they just want to mess up you, mess you up, you know. And uh, uh, and uh, sometimes uh, you know I like to use them if you were uh, if we were uh, suspecting we were being tracked, you know, or, or like we'd been made contact and we, then we broke contact and we figured they'd be tracking us, you know, put some of the toe poppers out, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a good place was like if you had a, a fallen, uh, like a tree down or something, you know, that they're going to have to come over, put the toe poppers on the other side. Where, so when they come over. Uh, He's going to step right there on the other side. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, one time, uh, which, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, went into uh, Cambodia and uh, we got into a firefight and we, uh, you know, uh, went in uh, emergency action, you know, uh, immediate action. And uh, we m- managed to break contact. So uh, we, uh, uh, but we, we kind of figured they were going to be tracking us, you know. So uh, uh, me and Adams kind of dropped back behind the rest of the team. Uh, and we were putting out some toe poppers, you know, set up a few booby traps. And, uh, and in the meantime, while we were doing that, another uh, Kong patrol came and uh, got between us and the rest of the team. So, you know, we're fighting from this side. Uh, the rest of the guys are on the other side, and we can't get back to them. So uh, me, and, uh, me and Adams, we all, you know, we, uh, we put the feet to the ground. <laughs> And we were we were trying to break contact, and uh, fortunately we got into some elephant grass. And elephant grass is really really tall, and uh, I mean good concealment. So we got into the elephant grass, and we went to ground, and we just laid there, and uh, and uh, then we saw the uh, you know, but we could see the movement of the grass as they were moving through, mm-hmm. and we could we could hear them talking. They were looking for us, and. Uh, so we uh, lobbed a few, fra- a couple of frags, and, you know, fired off a couple of mags, and we got up, we booked it off again, and uh, and we went to ground again, and we waited, and uh, pretty much repeated the first time, and <laughs> we did that like three times, and finally, uh, you know, uh, the fourth time we laid there and we waited and we waited, we didn't see any more movement, and uh, we're thinking, well, maybe they. Thought we were too crazy to leave us alone. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you had the uh, Song Bay, which is a river uh, that runs through Cambodia. It comes off of the Mekong, but it uh, runs through Cambodia uh, and crosses over into uh, uh, to Vietnam, down close to the delta, and uh, and uh, right there where we you cross over the into Vietnam, we had a radio relay site, and usually. Uh, there was a 200-man uh, uh, indigenous team uh, uh, guarding the uh, radio relay site. So we just uh, followed along the same song bay. Uh, sometimes uh, we'd have to cover, you know, to go go to ground cover, or you know, sometimes we'd be in the river. Uh, and just this is you and Adams. Yeah, and uh, and we finally got down to where we crossed over and got to. Uh, uh, golf fire radio relay site <coughs> caught a chopper back to Doc Toe and uh, uh, got back the rest of the team was there uh, everybody 
we all made it out unscathed. <laughs> Man, this is unbelievable, Bo. But, I mean, uh, to think you and your team member, Adams, <laughs> break away to fall back <laughs> and set some booby traps for this large enemy force that's tracking you. You have another <laughs> enemy force move in split your platoon in half yeah well not even in half it's you two and then your indigenous force on the other side yeah and so you guys just continue to bound and work together until you finally break contact then you just hit the river follow the river down catch a ride back to base i mean that's <laughs> that stuff don't just don't happen anymore Bo. yeah i know it uh, i mean well needless to say uh, it, it aged me quite a few years i'm dude <laughs> How, how, I mean, how did you, from a, you know, how did you get through this, Bo? I mean, I just couldn't well, imagine that. I, I mean, I, I can try to imagine, but I've never been in a, in situations like that. I mean, nowadays you've always got comms. Yeah. You've all, you know, you've always, you've got all this technology. You've got all this yeah. stuff. You guys are just out there in the jungle yeah. making it happen and staying alive, man. Yeah. I mean, were there, how did you stay calm in these situations and, and actually execute the plan and stay well, alive? Well, uh, a lot of times, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, when we, when we'd go to ground, I mean, we'd have, uh, 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 VC, you know, uh, uh, walking, almost stepping on us, you know, I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd go to ground and be undercover oh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of had this thought in my mind, you know, sometimes was, you know, uh, I'm a log, I'm a log, I'm a log, I'm a log, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I hoping you know, that, uh, it might <laughs> penetrate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, uh, I mean, that's the way it was, uh, you know, I mean, uh, sometimes you hadn't, uh, you know, you, you had no choice, you know, was, uh, I, I, I tell you, uh, one thing my wife told me, uh, and I don't know why she brought it up. Uh, we were just laying in bed one night and, uh, she, she told me, she said, you know, she said, I was worried my t brothers weren't going to make it back a from Vietnam alive, she said. But I always knew you would come back, and I said, "What makes you say that?" She said, "Cause that's what you do. You survive." <laughs> wow, man! You know, uh, I don't know. You know, I, uh, I, I, I let me wait. Uh, uh, you know, I've always. Uh, uh, when I get in a firefight, you know, when I get in a firefight, it was just like, uh, you know, uh, I would do what I was trained to do, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of, like, you know, be kind of like uh, my my mind is up here watching my body do these things, and uh, you know, and uh, and thinking, you know, you know, you got me into this, now get me out. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I don't know. I've I've always uh, I've always always done that, you know. Uh, uh, it just you know uh, I I have a survival instinct, uh, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's something uh, you know where it comes from, but uh, uh, I, I I react uh, and just uh, stay alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I imagine you guys took your training very seriously. Oh yeah, within your units. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, that's, uh, 
you talk about, you know, training, uh, you know, to go over there. You know, we trained all the time anyway. You know, I mean, like, uh, you know, we trained for every mission. Uh, you know, uh, we'd go over over and over, you know. Uh, 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 well, it's, it's like, uh, it's like uh, going to jump school. You know, you, you can learn to jump from an airplane, you know, in no time at all. But uh, if you want to do it and, and do it right, you know, you got to do it through repetition. You do it, yep. do it, and do it, and do it. So you don't have to think about it. You do it instinctively because if you uh, if you don't have that instant reaction and do it right, you know, you could be dead, seriously hurt, you know. That's uh, right. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, that's where the repetition comes in. You know, you just – do it over and over and over again till you know you don't have to think about it. You just do it. You build yeah. that muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you just do it. Blake, I hadn't even given you a chance to ask any questions, <laughs> man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's take a break real quick. Let's take okay. a little break real okay. quick. All right. All right. Hey guys, have I told you about my bushcraft necklace from Wazoo Survival Gear? Well, you need to get you one because it's a really sharp piece of gear that you can wear around your neck every day. That's what I do. And it gives you the capabilities to start a fire in any weather condition, in any temperature, in any scenario. And fire is very important to your survival as a human being if you find yourself in a, uh, in a tight spot, right? We can cook over it. We can get warm from it. We can purify water over it. There's a lot of things that we can do with fire. And Wazoo Survival Gear makes products that allow us to have that capability anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Guys, tools. Tools increase your capability. More capability gives you more options. More options gives you the freedom to choose where you go, where you explore, the things you do. That's where Wazoo Survival Gear comes in. It's the perfect melding of form and function that allows you to build a wide variety of tools into your everyday wear. This stuff is awesome, guys. I've been using Wazoo Survival Gear products for well over a year now. Every time we go out on the basic course, um, every time I'm stepping off on a mission and a lot of their products are just with me day in and day out, like my bushcraft necklace, like my cash cap, uh, just going through regular everyday life. They're an awesome company, 100% made in America. Awesome dudes, Dustin and Nick, you've probably heard them. They've done an episode on the 307 podcast. Go, go give them some support, man, at wazoosurvivalgear.com. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. As a matter of fact, I've attached a, a link to their website in the show notes of this episode, a special link for you guys. When you go and place your order with Wazoo, they've given us a pro code that's going to give you 20% off your order. The pro code is the number three of the number seven, all caps. That's the best deal you're going to find on Wazoo Survival Gear products anywhere. They asked me how I wanted to split this up. I could get 10% back on the purchases that you guys made using this pro code and y'all could get 10% off. I said, no, give the customer 20% off. Give the podcast listener 20% off because you guys have rewarded me by showing up and listening to this show. So I want you to have the full discount this company doesn't put their stuff on sale because this stuff is all handmade and 
yeah, it's not stuff that goes on sale or, or expires. So it's a great deal. Go check them out, wazoosurvivalgear.com. Follow them on Instagram at wazoosurvivalgear. Thanks a lot, guys. Enough said. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. We got we got you loud and clear. We're we're ba- right. we're back. If you if you can't tell, uh, right. Bo was just talking to us about the Tet Offensive, and I don't want to I don't want to skip over. But I, I I just want you to whatever's on your heart. I know okay. that sounded interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, from the pictures there, uh, uh, were. Uh, the Viet Cong uh, launched an uh, all-out assault uh, for the Tet of uh, 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 68. Uh, Tet is the uh, Chinese uh, New Year, and uh, it doesn't occur like ours does on, you know, uh, New Year's Day, yeah. uh, the 1st of January. There's, there comes later in the year. And uh, we uh, we were telling everybody, we were running our recon, we were uh, – gathering intelligence and we were telling them look you got a lot of equipment a lot of people moving down through cambodia through laos through cambodia there's something going to happen and they're like no uh, we have a ceasefire for tet uh yeah but uh, They've got a lot of equipment, a lot of people moving down. You guys were seeing it out in the field. Yeah, we were seeing uh, observing it. Observing it, yeah. Yeah. And so what happened was on Tet, uh, morning of the Tet, uh, real early, about uh, 3.30, something like in the morning, uh, they hit uh, Saigon. They hit uh, they hit Hue. They hit just about uh, – they hit uh, all uh, – installations all throughout uh, south vietnam uh and that the uh the reality of it was it it cost them dearly but it cost us a lot too uh and uh we uh they they actually had had control of the uh, american embassy in saigon for temporarily and uh they had to put troops on top of the embassy to uh that uh clear them out but mm-hmm. uh it was uh i mean it was a total uh a wreck for uh, both sides and uh but it uh what perturbs me the most is a lot of times things like that we could give them uh intel and they would ignore it mm-hmm. and uh and uh but uh it was really devastating for the Viet Cong. uh like I was in the house ten, which was uh, uh, supplies for we kept supplies to, for our indigenous people that we trained, uh, you know, clothing, equipment, and things like that. Was this on Fob Three, or where where were you located? Uh, this was uh, near Tonsonut Air Base. Okay, which was was hit heavily. Uh, Tonsonut was hit heavily, and uh, and uh, after the initial uh, uh, attacks and everything, I. I was uh, going back to my unit, and uh, I went by a uh, uh, Puto racetrack, which was a uh, old French racetrack, and uh, they had Viet Cong bodies stacked up like firewood. I mean, uh, it uh, it cost us dearly, but it, they the uh, Viet Cong suffered greatly. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, if uh, if if we had uh, had made a determination uh, 
that we were going to win the war, we could have we could have done it then, if we had done what we were supposed to do. Yep. Yep. But I I, I kind of uh, put it. Uh, uh, I use the uh, example like if you were a football team, and they told you, well, you can keep the football till you get to the fifty yard line. Then you had to stop. Yep. And there's no way you're going to win a war, you know, uh, you know, if you if you're not going to go all out to do it. We, uh, and this is just my opinion. We could have won the Vietnam War, but we were afraid. Our our political leaders were afraid. Uh, we might wind up in a direct confrontation with the chinese and the russians but we could have ended it but uh uh but we uh, we were playing half of a football field politics politics yep yep and uh well what was that day like for you when that tet offensive launched bo can you walk <laughs> me through that day from you know, the, the time <laughs> either you woke up and what it was like experiencing that and being being in yeah. that country when that happened i yeah. think that's a wonderful thing to to hear about yeah. Well, like I said, uh, you know, I, I I actually went to House Ten uh, uh, that night, and uh, and were you staying and, there? At, at yeah, the, I, there's I, some I, barracks. I, in yeah, there? well, I spent I spent the night at House Ten, and like I said, the uh, the initial assaults took place uh, early in the morning, like around three three thirty, and uh, and uh, uh, House Ten was uh, wasn't directly attacked itself, you know, but. Uh, we're close to uh, Tonsonu uh, Air Base, and they were they were directly hit. And uh, could you uh, hear the gunfire? Or, or oh the, yeah, uh, was it mo- was it mortars and uh, how did Mort- they launch? mortars, rockets? Uh, okay, and uh, you could hear uh, at Tonsonu, uh they had quad fifties, uh, uh, talking about quad four fifty caliber machine guns, mm-hmm. and uh, and. Uh, uh, there's no mistaking a quad fifty. <laughs> I bet. I've never even seen one. But yeah. I know I, I shot plenty of anymore. yeah, plenty of those fifty cal mod deuce, yeah. and uh, that thing thumps. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I, you know, I knew it was going on, but uh, pretty much, uh, 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 we were uh, just uh, uh, maintaining. You know, uh, uh, we we were kind of doing a security guard. You know, uh, yeah. around house 10 but we were never actually hit and after that uh uh they uh some of us younger guys uh uh they pulled us back in uh, uh because uh, uh sog headquarters uh was located uh, at that time in, in cholon which is a chinese district of saigon and uh pretty much their sole protection was uh through the uh, Vietnamese National Police, so they pulled us, some of us young guys from you know uh, from our bases, and provide security for uh, uh, Sog headquarters, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was never actually hit. We were fired upon a couple of times, but we were never act- actually hit, which uh, <coughs> brings me kind of uh, uh, a little humor in the in the deal was. Uh, Sog, uh, uh, it had buildings around, kind of like a big courtyard, mm-hmm. and uh, 
And uh, then, you know, it had buildings, uh, other buildings around it. And so uh, uh, I was up on the, one of the roofs, uh, and uh, uh, and I'd, uh, uh, I don't know who, wh- where the rounds were coming from, but occasionally uh, I'd hear a round ping off, you know, and it, it had an old slate-type uh, tiled roof to it, and uh, I hear a round crack off of one of the one of them uh, slate slate roofs. So I had uh, uh, my buddy uh, Carl Martin was coming up to uh, to to relieve me, and uh, so he's coming, kind of bent over, you know, across the uh, slate roof. He's got his bush hat pushed back on his head like that. And all of a sudden, I hear the round crack. I heard it go by me, and I, it took its uh, bush hat right off off his head. <laughs> I mean, uh, if it had round been just that much lower, it took the top of his head Good off. Good But it sailed his, uh, sailed his bush hat out across the compound. And believe it or not, I've never seen anybody break through a slate roof. <laughs> 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 He, he went right through the top of that slayer. <laughs> <Down through there. laughs> it, it, it was, I mean, uh, it wasn't funny at the time, you know, but later on, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, uh, it, it reminded me, uh, there used to be an old World War II cartoon, you know, the, the two World War II guys, one of them says that, man, we got to get lower. And he said, I can't get any lower, Willie. Me buttons is in the way. <laughs> I'm thinking about, uh, you know, I, I I I don't know how he did it, but he literally busted through that slate roof God, down, in, down into the room below. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you what, Bo, when you get your, he- your hat shot off the top of your head, you're going to be getting as low as you possibly can, and that roof was just in between him and as low as he could possibly get. Yeah. Yeah, I run I run across uh, Martin again uh, uh, later on in Germany uh, uh, with the five oh ninth. He was with the five oh ninth Airborne. <laughs> what a story, man! But I I had to interject that in there. But anyway, uh, I uh, uh, that's what I did for uh, a while before I went back and uh, you know uh, and uh, after that. Uh, uh, I run just a few missions. Didn't have uh, 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 much contact or anything, uh, you know. Some I mean, and that's the way it was sometimes. Sometimes you know you go and uh, you know nothing happened. You yeah. Know? But uh, you, you never knew what you what uh, what to expect. I, I uh, wanna and uh, I wanna hear too, Bo, uh, your perspective on your enemy. Um, uh, how how did you guys? How did you guys view your enemy? One, per- personally, did you did you have some sort of uh, did did you have a hatred for them? Did you have a respect for them? What? How did you view your enemy? Well, uh, I I had no love lost for them. I uh, and uh, but I, I I did respect the fact that they were uh, you know uh, they were good at what they did. You know, and and uh, in some cases, uh, you know, uh, I've got a, a weapon at my house. Uh, it's a, a Rus- Russian Mosin Uh 
and uh, uh, it's bolt action, uh, you know, and in some cases that was their arms, you know, compared to what we had, you know, uh, some of the Viet Cong had basic, you know, uh, uh, World War II type weapons, you know, yeah. so, uh, and uh, I, uh, I think, uh, you know, gratefully so, uh, some of them were very poor shots, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. which I admired greatly. And, uh, but, uh, they were, I mean, they were, they were very good at unconventional war. I mean, and, you know, that's, that's what you have to do, you know, when you're, uh, uh, even though, you know, like when we were on a team, you know, and we, and we'd cross, uh, cross the fence in the Indian country, you know, uh, we were outnumbered, but, uh, you know, when they were in, uh, going against U S units and, uh, uh, in Vietnam, uh, more conventional it, type battles. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they, uh, they were, uh, you know, uh, out weaponed, you know, basically, yep. uh, uh, you know, they, they might have numbers sometimes, but, uh, uh as far as weapons went, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, now the North Vietnamese regulars, that was a different story. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were all, they were Russian trained, they were well armed, but your average Viet Cong, you know, they uh, they weren't all that well armed, uh, you know, compared to what we had. And was the Viet Cong just essentially a militia unit? Is it yeah, so yeah, they were uh, uh, kind of like a rebel, you know. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of what to compare it to, uh, but uh, you know, uh, like when uh, when uh, we uh, uh when our country was fighting for independence uh you know uh the best thing american had to go for it was uh you know like the uh the the, hunt, the hunters the ranchers the farmers you know that's right you know uh and, Wood, yeah uh, the woodsmen they knew yeah, the land they yeah, knew the environment and, uh, you know and uh, you know and the british you know for a long time had that you know idea you know you just stand up and march into the, you know fighting and, uh, you know, and a lot of the, uh, Americans, when we were fighting independence, you know, like you said, they were hunters. They, they knew how to fight in the woods, uh, you know, like the Indians fought. You yeah. Know? Uh, and, uh, so, uh, how would you know the difference on, on the battlefield between a North Vietnamese regular unit yeah. or, or soldier and a, and a Viet Cong soldier? Uh, pretty much, uh. By the way they're dressed, you know their uniforms, uh, you know, uh, and uh, and I want to uh, uh, what I'm thinking about it just popped in my head, and I want to uh, uh, point out something that's never mentioned a lot. You don't hear about it, uh, but they actually had Chinese military advisors, uh, and uh, and and I can tell you right now, uh, I. I Dickie, Dickie Meadows uh, 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 was outstanding. Uh, Special Forces uh, recon guy. I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah. Dick, Dick, Dickie Meadows. Uh, uh, he went to a meeting with uh, Westmoreland and all of them there because I mean, uh, uh, and uh, he brought up that about the Chinese advisors. And he was told, don't ever say that again. 
Don't Politics. ever mention, yeah. Don't ever mention to anybody about Chinese advisors. That's it. Fini. What was the reason for that, Bo? They didn't want uh, they didn't want the American people to know that Chinese were involved mm. in uh, in the thing. Uh, but we knew. We uh, uh, we killed. You know, they pretty much they stayed in Cambodia and Laos. They mm-hmm. didn't come across the border that much. Uh, if they did, it was just uh, barely across the border because they could make a quick exit if they had to. But we killed, uh, we've killed Chinese advisors and we killed Russian advisors, you know, uh, but we weren't allowed to talk about it. That wow. wasn't, you know, uh, mm. again, you know, come up with the fact they didn't want to, our, uh, political leaders didn't want to, uh, get in a direct conflict with, uh, Russian and, uh, Chinese, you know, so, so they downplayed all that stuff. Uh, that had to have been so tough for you guys as yeah. the guys on the ground putting your neck out on the yeah. line every time you guys cross the border to gather this intel, and then they just basically want to sweep it under the rug. I mean, yeah. that's a whole other element of stress on you guys. Yeah. Well, that was the one thing about Dickie Meadows. Uh, I mean, uh, you don't tell Dickie Meadows, you know, uh, well, you uh, – what you're saying is not true because he'd go out and get proof and break it back and dump it on. <laughs> you guys were no I mean, bull crap. I mean, uh, 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 Dickie Meadows was known to, I mean, he'd be, you know, within just meters of, uh, uh, Viet Cong or NVA moving, uh, and, uh, he'd be taking pictures and, <laughs> and, uh, eight millimeter <laughs> videos of, uh, and, uh, and he he didn't mind he he didn't mind bringing them back and taking them into SOG headquarters and saying here, uh, take these over to Westmoreland and dump them on his desk and show him. <laughs> wow, you know? man! Uh, and uh, 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 to uh, I don't mean to talk y'all's art. No, on. this this is awesome, Bo. But, uh, I love it, man. Yeah, uh, there was a special forces camp right on Langvey at Langvey. Which was right on the uh, 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 Laos uh, Vietnamese border, and uh, uh, we kept trying to tell them, "Look, the NVA have Russian tanks in Laos," and uh, no, 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 you're wrong. No, there's no Russian tanks there. You're probably just seeing evidence of heavy equipment, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Langvey got overrun by Russian tanks. I mean, uh, the, uh, uh, and, uh, we had to go in to, uh, ourselves, uh, to get them out. We didn't get it. We didn't have any, uh, other, uh, regular, uh, military, uh, units to go in. Mm-hmm. It was us. We had to go in there and try to save the guys that was pinned down. Gosh, dog. I mean, <coughs> the, uh, command, uh, bunker. They had run a tank right up on it, and they were trying to crush it in on the guys. They couldn't get in and get them out, but uh, they were trying to cr- crush it in. So uh, we had to, uh, 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 you know, physically just combine a bunch of teams together, and uh, which we could. Uh, uh, I can go into that later. Uh, but uh, uh, to go in and, and rescue the guys, and uh, and uh, and it turned out Lang Vay was overrun. You know, Two or three t- different times, uh, 
because, well, primarily because of its location, you know. But, uh, you know, again, if the thing, you know, well, we were providing them with intel that they didn't, they ignored, you know. They, uh, and then you having to clean up the mess. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And, and when y'all, when y'all did, when y'all did that specific op right there, you said you, you combined some teams together. Yeah. And then you guys, how, how did you guys, I mean, obviously no. it's already hot. They're being overran. How did y'all handle well, that? Well, uh, uh, let me, uh, I'll go to that. You know, like I said, we had spot teams. Yeah. Which was, uh, you know, usually six to nine men, uh, two to three Americans, the rest indigenous. But we got to the point where we uh, we created, uh, we had a, uh, a havoc force, uh, or a, we had a hatchet force, a havoc force, and we uh, a uh, hatchet force was like a platoon size, about 40 people, you know. Okay. Uh, and usually, you know, four or five Americans, the rest indigenous. And then we uh, we could, we could also uh, assemble a uh, a uh, havoc force, which was about company size. And uh, so you know we were uh, we and it it we, that that didn't happen instantly. You know it yeah. took a period of time to uh, to get that built up. And uh, so we could put a, a larger team in. Uh, matter of fact, uh, when. Uh, Bob Howard was put in for uh, 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 the Medal of Honor uh, one time. He was with a uh, a uh, hatchet force, and uh, 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 and but he at the time he wasn't the one zero. They had a captain that was one zero, and uh, it, the you know the one zero is supposed to be the last man out. Yeah, you know, he's the last guy out. The captain was the one zero. The captain was the first one out. He went out with the wounded mm. and everything. Bob Howard was the last one out. They put uh, put him in for the Medal of Honor, put the captain in for the Silver Star, which uh, needed to say uh, said captain had to leave the area uh, if he didn't want to be one of the people that was KIA. And, oh, I bet. And... Uh, but anyway, the uh, apparently the upper echelon, the opinion was, well, we can't give Bob Howard the, uh, uh, the Medal of Honor or recommend him for the Medal of Honor, uh, you know, send it on up, uh, uh, and the captain only the Silver Star. Because it so, makes the captain look bad, even yeah. though he was the one that showed poor leadership that day. Yeah, so uh, yeah. they dropped Bob Howard down to the uh, Silver Star. But uh, uh, I, I give you an idea of... Uh, some of the guys like I worked with, uh, uh, Bob Howard run alongside an NVA truck through a Claymore mine through the window and then detonated it. <laughs> Somebody, <man. I> mean, <laughs> what is, what's going on with this guy? I mean, you well, knew, like, you knew these guys. I yeah. mean, well, like I said, you worked he, with them, alongside yeah. of them. Well, I, I I told you what they made me feel like. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, you know, I I was like an innocent baby compared to some of these guys, and uh, you know, and I thought I was pretty good, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I worked for some crazy people. I mean, uh, but uh, I'd say Bob Howard put in three times. Uh, 
I do believe, and I, I, I can't uh, say this definitely, but it, at one time, uh, 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 I believe uh, he, he later on became uh, the most decorated soldier ever uh, yeah. in military history. Uh, I'm trying, uh, I know at one time Audie Murphy was, and, uh, and I'm trying to think of, uh, oh, shoot, uh, trying to think of this other guy's name. Uh, but uh, I think uh, eventually Bob Howard became the most decorated it's just this is just so yeah. amazing that you knew these men. You 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 were you were on the ground. It's like just unbelievable, Bo. Yeah. I mean, but uh, like I said, you know, uh, uh, there was uh, you know, uh, uh, and uh, uh, let me uh, if you don't mind, let me let me tell you a little bit about. Uh, he was the chief of SOG when I was there. So he's like the commanding officer of SOG, essentially? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, there was another gentleman before him and then, then after him. But the guy, I was, uh, uh, was Chief SOG when I was there, John K. Sinlob. Uh, he was the full colonel at the time. Uh, when World War II broke out, he was a young airborne lieutenant. And he was recruited uh, for the OSI, which later became the CIA. And uh, he and two other men were parachuted into uh, France to organize guerrilla resistance against the Nazis. And uh, that was his thing. I mean, if they'd let him, if they'd let him run the whole thing in uh, Vietnam, I have no doubt in my military mind that we wouldn't have ended that and won that thing. Yep. I mean, there wouldn't have been anything moving down that uh, what they call the Ho Chi Minh Trail, which was uh, actually a, a variety of little trails coming down. Mm -hmm. <coughs> uh, one, one of his ideas was he wanted to organize a 3,000-man guerrilla force strictly staying in Cambodia, strictly staying in Laos, and with uh, you know uh, U.S. Uh, supplied equipment and uh, you know and support, and uh, we we would have shut down. There wouldn't have been nothing moved down through Cambodia and Laos. We would have stopped it right then and there. You would have just choked the enemy off from any resupplies or yeah yeah yeah. But naturally, you know, uh, he he was eventually he was forced to retire by uh, by President Carter. Because he pretty much said Carter was an idiot. Uh, <laughs> wow, man! But uh, uh, it, yeah, again, you guys are stuck on the fifty-yard line, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, he, uh, 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 he, he, he uh, eventually retired as a major general. But uh, uh, when Carter was wanting to pull troops out of Korea. He was telling, hey, you pull troops out of Korea, they're the only things that are keeping the Chinese from supporting a North Korean invasion of South Korea. And all you're going to do is we're going to have to go back and retake everything all over again. Mm -hmm. And so he disagreed with Carter on that. And uh, he disagreed with Carter uh, uh, with them turning over the Panama Canal to uh, who was the leader then, Noriega. Yep. 
uh, who he called a half-baked demagogue. And uh, so he, he, he was eventually forced into retirement. And uh, I don't remember if you remember the Contra uh, thing where they were, uh, uh, Oliver North was involved in it. Uh, they were supplying arms to the uh, guerrillas to fight the communists down in South America. And, uh, and uh, well, uh, his name was John, John K. Sinlaw, but, uh, you know, I tell people, uh, some people called him Jack, but nobody under, uh, that was under his command ever called him Jack. I heard that, man. <laughs> you, know, but, you know, people above him could call him Jack. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, they, they asked him, uh, they were asking him a question about, uh, you know, uh, about a missing 800 uh, or 8 million or 800 million dollars or something, you know, and uh, and uh, if he knew where it was at. And uh, he told him, he said, if I knew where it was at, he said, I'd be buying guns for them people fighting the communists down in South America, you know. So that, you know, but. Uh, so he was a man among men for sure. And yeah. it sounds like a tactical genius. And He uh, was, and he was, uh, you know. And it, he was ideal suited for an unconventional war. Yeah, you know, because that was that was his background. That was his training. And it, it, it what was really strange, uh, I was reading a book here a couple of years back. A guy wrote a book called "Born to Ranger," you know, and uh, and uh, he uh, had joined up right before, you know, right at the beginning of the Korean War, and uh, and he went to Ranger School, and. Uh, I'm reading in the book, and it turns out one of his uh, instructors at Ranger School was my old boss in Vietnam. Well, <laughs> my old boss in I'll Vietnam, be dying, man. John K. Sinlove. But uh, I got to see him uh, a couple of times after Vietnam. Uh, and uh, the uh, last time I saw him, uh, uh, I was a weapons instructor, uh, and uh, he come down to speak at a, uh, a AUSA meeting. And uh, he said, I was uh, thinking about what I should be speaking about. He said, I don't know if I should be talking about, you know, the dumb idea of pulling troops out of South Korea or turning the uh, Panama Canal over to a half-baked demagogue. And he said, I don't want to be controversial. So after contemplating the whole thing, he said, I want to talk about motor maintenance in the motor pool. <laughs> want to be controversial <laughs> after it was over i went up you know i told him i said uh and you know like the time he was the general and uh i told him i said general i said I, I you know right now that if we ever get in a war again you better be looking because i'm coming your way you uh -huh. know and he said well he said uh sergeant jordan he said come on buddy <laughs> you know that's what i'm thinking uh bo is like even though you guys were stuck at the fifty yard line and you know like you said, you got you know, you're gathering all this intel and you're seeing it's not being used properly, it's still gotta be nice to work for men like that. Yes. You know they got your back. They yes. know they you know at least the man that you're reporting to is a solid individual. Yes. Yeah. I uh I mean I love the guy. you know. And I uh I loved military uh leaders mm -hmm. you know you got too many of them now or half uh military and half politician mm -hmm. you know and uh 
and uh, almost with the, all with, of them yeah, are. With, yeah. with the with the military leader. You know what to expect. You know what they're going to do with the politician. It's kind of like that weed in the wind. You know, yeah, they're going to go whichever the way the wind blows. Yeah, uh, but with a uh, with uh, John Sinlob, uh, you knew that if you did what you were supposed to do, military, he was going to have you back. Yeah, he he was going to be with you. That uh, means a lot. Yeah, and. Uh, well, how how long was your tour total over there? Uh, uh, just one year. One year, yeah. just just a year. That's just all. Year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a jam packed year too. Yes, huh? it was. Uh, uh, like I said, they tried to, they were trying to get me to extend and uh, go to uh, a C detachment out of Fifth Special Forces Group, uh, which was uh, right down near uh, uh, Command Control South, and uh, but uh, I wanted to get back home. You know, I had a young wife, young kids, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as as it turned out, you know, I went to Germany and I was there for almost three years. And then uh, by the time I got back, you know, it was starting to wind down. So mm-hmm. you know, I didn't go back again. But uh, how long did that whole war last? Uh, well, uh, uh, basically, uh, I would say from like maybe uh, uh, if you go uh, on what you see or read. Uh, Basically, from about 1960 to uh, uh, to about 1972. Okay. But uh, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, we actually had people working over there uh, unknown uh, uh, that, you know, were already there. Uh, and actually, the first casualty uh, was a captain in 1959, I believe, oh. uh, before, you know— uh, yeah, we had yeah. American. Basically, they were probably what an, an yeah. advise and assist role yeah. Yeah. for the South Vietnamese. Yeah, we basically we had like uh, uh, our American, you know, uh, working in uh, Cambodian lives, you know, before actually before. Uh, but I, I tell people, you know, and I, I, I know people probably think I'm crazy, but you got what you call black ops. And you got blacker ops, and then you got blacker ops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's different levels to uh, uh, to black ops, and uh, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an exit. I'm sorry. No, you fine. Uh, and and uh, all of our vehicles uh, were painted black in Vietnam. I, I mean, uh, our vehicles, SOG vehicles, were were black. Uh huh. Our uh, any C one thirties were black. We called them blackbirds. Uh, so uh, you know. <laughs> what what kind of helicopters did y'all use, Bo? Did y'all use yeah. the Huey or we the... used Hueys and also H thirty fours. The old H thirty four was used. Uh, uh, we we had uh, uh, actual uh, you know uh, usually we got our air support from you know uh, from the aviation units over there, but. Uh, we had, uh, you know, we had our own some facilities. Uh, Did you guys have close air support uh, yes. that you could call in when you took contact? Yeah, uh, we had uh, we had what we call a cubby leader. Uh, he was uh, flying overhead all the time. Uh, okay. And and uh, you know he wasn't flying the plane, but he was. Uh, uh, you know, there's small aircraft uh, uh, usually propelled. Uh, you know, for you, cause you, you know, you're going fast. You ain't going. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you had cubby leaders, and uh, 
uh, and the Cubby leader was always a a uh, a veteran, SOG veteran. You know, I'm talking about you know somebody that already had run recon uh, and uh, uh, he maintained contact with Cubby leader, and Cubby leader would uh, you know call in uh, uh, you know uh, air support or whatever we need. We we you know uh, most of the time we did have air support. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, and uh, if we were close enough to the border, you know, sometimes you could get uh, support from the artillery units. But uh, mm-hmm. most, mostly it was uh, uh, air, you know, either uh, uh, Huey, you know, Hueys or, uh, you know, or, uh, or uh, in some cases, you know, we had, uh, we had uh, you know, bigger aircraft, uh, you know, come in. Uh, uh, well, that's a genius idea to have that Covey leader up yeah. in a small aircraft yeah it's a it's a small target but he's maneuverable yeah and he's a guy that understands What's what going you on. guys are going through on the ground yeah right yeah and there's another thing uh uh I, 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 uh uh you know i don't care what rank you were i mean even if you outranked the one zero the wrong zero was the command I don't mm-hmm. care if you had a staff sergeant E six that's one zero, and you had a new lieutenant that was uh, training. Uh, one zero is the boss. Yep. I don't care if you're a full bird colonel, and you're on that chopper going in with a team just to observe. The one zero is the boss. You know that's it. Yeah. Ain't no rank rank immaterial. And I think that's the way it should be in a in a special operations unit. Yeah, especially yeah. specialized as SOG. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the one zero was the man. You know, he uh, he was the boss. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Frank Frank Miller, uh, who also won the Congressional Medal of Honor, by the way. Well, I still call it Congressional. I think they just call it the Medal of Honor now. But he came uh, to us out of the first calf. Uh, he was a uh, long-range recon and first cal. Uh, like my younger brother was also long-range recon with first cal, and uh, and he uh, he was a one zero as an E five, you know, and he had E sixes and E sevens on his you know on his team wow. sometimes, you know, because he was that good. Miller was good. He, his real name is Frank Miller, but uh, he was called Doug. That was his his call named Doug. <laughs> okay. And, and you and and that's a you know that that to me you know you guys were a set because there's only two of you guys generally Americans on on a um a spike team. A spike team. Yeah. You had to have the best dude mm-hmm. in that 1-0 position. So right. you weren't you were assessing hey, does this guy have really the necessary skills to fill this position. You're not looking at the rank, and that's yeah. important. And yeah. you know that that's a yeah, that's yeah. one of the great things about special operations. We still, mm. in a way, uh, yeah. utilize that same type of uh, community yeah. aspect because in SEAL training we go through the ex- yeah. exact same training. Officers and enlisted yeah. side by side. Yeah. There's no difference. Yeah, um, and I think yeah. that's what one thing that sets us all apart. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, you know, I mean, there there was, I think I just messed up. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was never, 
never any doubt about it. There was never any yeah. confrontation about it. I mean, that was it. I mean, uh, uh, if you're, you know, whatever your rank was, I mean, if you're on a team and you're going in, the one zero is the guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, and, you know, there was never any argument about it. No, everybody understood that. Uh, you know, uh, the young lieutenants, you know, uh, they understood it. They, uh, uh, and, you know, and that was, uh, you know, uh, necessary to survive. That, I was, imagine. that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, since I'm on the, uh, on, uh, Frank Miller, uh, uh, his team got in the world of hurt. I mean, they, they were in, uh, they were in, uh, deep trouble and, uh, we were trying to get uh, air support into them, uh, and uh, we had uh, we had what we, I'll, I'll get into bright light teams later on, or in a minute. But uh, uh, he had uh, just about everybody in his team had been hit, or wounded, uh, and he got them into a, uh, an old bomb crater. <clears throat> and uh, he and he himself uh, uh, had a, a round hit him in the chest and come out his back and uh he took his uh his poncho liner he laid on his poncho wrapped it all the way around him and uh and tied it down and uh uh the Viet Cong uh, were trying to creep in on his position mm -hmm. and he was he was out uh, outside of the, the crater uh killing Viet Cong that was trying to come in on his guys until we finally got, you know, uh, got air support in there and got a team in to get them out. And uh, that's, uh, and uh, he had also been shot through the arm. And uh, that's when he won the uh, Medal of Honor. Still fighting. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was, uh, his sole purpose was to keep the Viet Cong off his, off his team and uh, keep his, his team out. Uh, I mean, I can tell you some stories that uh, 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 he, he, he it's hard to believe sometimes, you know, what some of these guys did. Uh, and, uh, but he, uh, that was just the type of guy I remember it was, uh, like I said, he died, uh, 2002 from cancer. And, uh, but, uh, he was, he was good man. Different, different type. Yeah. Different, different type of man. I mean, it's just, the yeah. free and the freedom of movement that you guys had the res, not the freedom the freedom of movement and the responsibility mm -hmm. that you guys had as teams across the fence. Yeah. Uh yeah. it was on you, man. Yeah. It was on you to stay alive. I mean. Oh yeah. It's it's uh, that's it's, it's it's just different. Uh Yeah. And this is yeah. one thing I think a lot of civilians don't understand is they they find themselves in a position in their lives, and they think, well, sh you know, somebody's going to tell me what I should do. Somebody's going to tell me how to get out of this. Somebody's yeah. going to show me the way. Yeah. Well, you guys, you guys had to make those decisions up and make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> They're right. relying on that in a uh, – here in the States, that is. They're relying on that on something small. These guys are making a decision on their life. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean – uh and like I said, you know, it, it goes into training. It goes into uh, hours and hours and hours of repetition of just doing things. And uh, and uh, so you, you do, you, 
you act instinctively based on you know your training your the repetition i mean uh i mean i i know it's a you know i mean uh uh when i was going through jump school i mean there was times you know when i'm like what am i doing here you gotta be the dumbest man in the world you know and uh but you know you just got one more day i'm gonna do it one more day mm-hmm. one more day one more day and i and i tell people you know sometimes uh it you have to think a bit if you're going to quit the second time you quit it becomes easier and then the third time you don't even have to think about it you just quit you know uh so you you know you, you got to keep going uh quitting can become a habit real yeah, quick yes it can and uh wow it's funny a lot of the things you say are a lot of the stu- same stuff that chad talks about you know that yeah. he he experienced or or things he even teaches now about just one more time just one more time and yeah it yeah. works don't it bo training yeah. like you fight you just got to put the work in yeah. and the way that you're going to execute it don't do so don't alter it when you're in safe territory yeah because yeah. then that's what you're going to do when you're in enemy territory yeah yeah uh you know i mean uh uh and I, uh, uh, my uh, nephew and uh, my ex-son-in-law both went to, uh, to Iraq, and they both went to Afghanistan. And I, I you know, I talked to them both. That, you know, they didn't go at the same time, but I talked to them both. And I told them, I said, there's two things you can count on. You can count on the guys with you, and you count on yourself. And that's that's what you have to depend on. Yep. And then uh, when they went to uh, Afghanistan, I, you know, I, I told him basically the same thing. And I said, but I'm telling you right now, you're going to a different ball field. This ain't the same ball field. Mm-hmm. You got different terrain. You got different uh, people, you know. And uh, so you got to, you know, uh, you, you got to adapt to that situation, yes, you know. And, uh, yep. you know, uh, I, I, I always like to use the word adaptability. You have to adapt to the situation. Yes, sir. And uh, and your ability to do that, you know, uh, uh, can save your life and save the lives of people around you. You know. Uh, what What were the uh, the bright light teams you were talking about? Oh, okay. Well, the bright light teams were teams that were, were uh, kept pretty much on standby. And initially, the bright light teams were like if a uh, pilot was shot down over Cambodia or Laos. Uh, to try to get in to uh, uh, put a bright light team in to try to uh, save him or get him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, later it become uh, bright light teams if uh, uh, we had evidence of a POW being helped somewhere, a bright, t- bright light team could go in and try to get him out. And also bright light teams uh, uh, go in, you know, if we had a team in trouble, you try to get a bright light team in. Uh, which uh, uh, sometimes is successful, sometimes not. Uh, the Vietnam or the uh, POW situation, uh, it wasn't always successful because you, you know, uh, you could get evidence of something, you know, and then and then you know, then they've already moved them, you know, by the that's time right. they get in there. Uh, so, uh, but that's what the basically the bright times, bright light teams were for rescue. Uh, <laughs> and were those bright light teams were they were they SOG units? Yeah. Or okay. Yeah, they were SOG. Uh, How many SOG 
soldiers or people operators right? operators uh about there was about uh i think roughly about three thousand people in sog and probably roughly uh 100 200 at a time that were running actually actually running mission you know uh you had uh you know you had operations people you know uh uh and uh other you know uh people but uh Roughly, you know, any any time, uh, maybe a hundred, two hundred guys actually running missions at at any one time. Man, that's that's and that's why it, you guys all essentially know each other. You yeah. know the same. You know yeah. the, the same names. Uh, Excuse me. I mean, that's just uh, that. I mean, you talk yeah. about <laughs> one or two hundred hey, guys. That I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that hat that Bo's got to <laughs> earn the right to wear. That's special. Yeah. That's but, uh, special, buddy. But uh uh I, there's a uh uh Billy Wilson. I haven't I haven't seen him since the COVID thing. Uh Billy Wilson was SOG also and uh uh I didn't even know he was in, you know, uh another SOG guy anywhere <laughs> near here in Calhoun or in Calhoun and uh and I run across him at Planet Fitness and I'll uh, be dang. And it's kinda like, man, it's like finding <laughs> Two serial killers in the same <laughs> same county, you know. <laughs> and uh, but he was uh, he was suffering from Parkinson's. But uh, uh, as I uh, we kind of passed each other, uh, I was coming out when he was going in. Him and uh, him and John Plaster come in about the same time uh, as I was going out. So, <laughs> but it, uh, I haven't seen him in a while. So I, I and. Uh, uh, so I, I hope he's okay, and uh, I, you know, most of the time when I see him uh, after that was at the Legion, American Legion. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, we had uh, there's a guy named Wade Russell, and uh, his uh, his dad uh, was uh, done pretty much the same, some of the same stuff that we were doing, or uh, and, but his dad was uh, MI, you know, military intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so Wade, Wade uh, he, he he said, uh, my dad wants he wants to meet you and Billy so bad. And so uh, I said, well, you know, uh, and Billy are agreeable, you know, whenever he whenever he wants to meet. And uh, so we eventually got it set up. We met at Thatcher's Barbecue there in Calhoun, and uh, we had lunch. Some some guy walked by, threw fifty bucks on the table, said, I'm buying you guys bill. So. Uh, we pretty much gave the whole fifty dollars to the waitress, but uh, uh, my uh, my youngest daughter works at uh, cardiology at uh, Harbin Clinic there in Calhoun, mm-hmm. and she told me she she said, "Dad, I was talking to a guy that uh, was in there, one of the patients, and he was telling me he did this and he did that." And I said, "I told him, I said, well, you know, my daddy uh, was in SOG." He said, "Who's your daddy?" She said, "Bo Jordan." He said, "Heck, I just had lunch with him about three weeks ago." <laughs> <laughs> that is something else, man. Yeah. What was there a long time there, Bo? I mean, right there while the war was still going on, and and even after you got back home, that you guys couldn't couldn't really talk about what y'all were doing because I, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, it was supposed to be like about twenty years. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was about that long uh, before guys started writing books, you know. I, I've, I've had people tell me, uh, 
you know, write a book, but you know, that that's not my thing. You know, I don't I don't write books. I I tell people uh I told them at church, I said, I wasn't a hero then. I'm not a hero now, and I probably won't be a hero uh, in the future. But what I was, I was good at what I did, you know. And, that, you know, I was a good soldier. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, But, uh, I mean, uh, Zach Tripp, I mean, I the uh, way Zach talks about me, I, I ought to be able to just get out there and walk across water, you know. I <laughs> I, I could be I could be the best still in the world. I wouldn't even have to swim. I just walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm gonna tell you, Bo. I mean, it, these your your memories and your experiences are extremely valuable. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's there's no disputing that they're extremely valuable, and that's why we all look up to you, brother. I well, mean, I mean, uh, but I, I you know I I'm I'm nothing special, you know. Uh, uh, my kids think I am, and some of the people who know me think I am, but I, I'm I'm not. I'm just a regular guy, you know. Uh, that uh, you know, and I believe in my country, and I I believe in God, and uh, and uh, that that'll be the way I am till I die, you know. And uh, and I was blessed, uh, you know. I guess uh, I I come from a strong military family. Yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, I. I Every time I see a first calf guy, you know, I tell him, I say, man, I don't know what happened. I said, uh, at one time or another, uh, my dad was in the first calf. Both of my brothers were in the first calf. I, uh, was it my, my aftershave lotion? What was it? You know, <laughs> that I wasn't ever in the first calf. <laughs> you definitely came from a family of warriors, Bo. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I, 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 I uh, you, you got me talking, you know. I mean, yeah, no, uh, I, this is important stuff. You no, know, be, being from Texas, you know, uh, and I, I knew my great grandfather had fought in the Civil War, but I really didn't know where he, where he was at when the war started or whatever. And uh, I, but I knew that they'd come from Alabama at one time, but I didn't know if they were had got to Texas at that time or not. So I got to researching it. And uh, I got the uh, roster, of, uh, the company he was in, and, and two of his brothers. And they were actually in Arkansas. Uh, and they enlisted uh, the day that Arkansas seceded from the Union. And they fought under the Army of Tennessee. And uh, both my uh, great-grandfather and his two brothers, they fought at uh, Shiloh. They fought at Chickamauga. They fought at Battle of Saka. Wow, man. Those are ba- those are big battles. Uh, yeah, and his uh, uh, his brother, my one of my great great uncles, was killed in the Battle of Atlanta, and my great grandfather was captured by the by the uh, the Yankees uh, at at the Battle of Jonesboro, and then about uh, two or three weeks later, they swapped prisoners, so he went right back to the South, went right back to fight for the South again, and uh, gosh, and uh, he and he and his brother were in. Uh, North Carolina when the uh, when the war ended and <laughs> wow so uh, you know uh, you traced it all the way back that far yeah and uh, that was on my grandfather's side of the family on my grandmother's side of the family uh, they came from Scotland and uh, they were in uh, they were in Texas uh, when Texas was fighting for independence and uh, uh, my ancestor, uh, one of my ancestors, and him and his two boys both got land grants from Texas for fighting for Texas independence. 
And uh, I mean, I get lost in the great, great, great. I mean, he was like great, great, great. Uh, uncle was the first sheriff of the county I was born in. <laughs> oh, darn so, man. you know, uh, uh, I guess it came in the blood, you know. I mean, it, it, uh, does, you know, it did. You know, so it sure I, did. I don't know, but uh, I'm a. I'm a diehard American. I don't apologize for being an American. I don't. Uh, uh, the only person I have to apologize to is God. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. I want to hear a little bit about your faith too, Bo. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you you've you've been in some, and obviously we've heard some tough situations. You you've had to uh, you've had to fight for your life and the life of your buddies, and you've been through a lot, brother. And uh i just how how what is your testimony and how has your faith been a part of your life not you know throughout throughout the the war and the battles you fought but even you know after that yeah I mean. well uh i have uh, a little story i i i tell uh you know i i grew up in the country i grew up coon hunting uh and uh I reached a stage uh, in, when I was younger that, uh, I don't know, I, I became afraid of the dark. And, uh, I mean, if I had to get up to go to the bathroom at night, I'd wake my brother up and make him go with me. And, uh, and I don't, I mean, I, 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 I can't explain it. I don't know if you, uh, anybody can explain it to me. But one night, I had to go to the bathroom, and I had to go really bad. And I'm... I'm uh, I couldn't get my brother awake, so you know, and and this, I, I don't know, it was just popped into my head. Uh, it just said, "Why are you afraid? Don't you know I'm with you?" And uh, I can't say that my fear went away, but I didn't let my fear stop me. Mm. From that point on, I, you know, I could I can be afraid of something, but it don't stop me, because, uh, and I firmly believe. That was Jesus Christ that said. And how old were you then? I was about eleven years old. Wow. And uh and uh I you know, and I really believe that. I mean, uh you know, he, he pretty much told me it's all right to be afraid, just don't let it stop you from doing what you want to do. Amen. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh I tell people I I'm I'm deathly afraid of heights, but here I am jumping out of airplanes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. tell I tell people, you know, I tell them if I ever get scared of where I, where, or where I'm not afraid of jumping, I'm gonna quit. I guarantee you. And I, but I actually quit because my I was more afraid of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that, brother. Well, you you know that's a that's a really great dynamic that you point out there as it revolves around fear. Uh, that fear can be something that hones you and makes you sharper. Yeah. In a scenario where you need to be sharp, when yeah. you're standing on the rear ramp of an aircraft at whatever four four thousand or fourteen thousand feet, yeah. you better have something in you oh, that, yeah. that makes you a little bit nerve because that's going to tighten you up. Yeah. And just yeah. like Bo just said, the minute that you are aren't a little bit afraid about what's about to happen, yeah. you better stop because you're about to get complacent. Yeah, that's and that's it. when you get hurt. Yeah, that was my whole point exactly. You know. If you get to where you're not afraid of it or or, or, or conscious of it, uh, you know, that's when you make a mistake. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and if you get too confident in doing something, you know, uh, uh, then you get careless sometimes. You know? yep. And uh, that was my whole point uh, exactly. You know, if I got to where I was wasn't afraid of it, then I I might get complacent. You know, then I, 
and that's when you make a mistake and it mm-hmm. don't take much you know you know when you especially when you're jumping out like 1200 <laughs> feet you know <laughs> yeah, there ain't no time there's no time for a mistake when you're jumping yeah. at 1200 feet yeah 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 uh, and uh but uh uh we tried halo jump you know i, I told you about we kind of concerned about you know intel leaks about our you know what LZs we were going into yeah. or the coordinates where we was going in at. And uh, it, uh, this is after I left, though, but uh, I uh, started trying to do halo jumps. Uh, and uh, But the problem that, that come up, uh, Billy Wall was one of uh, uh, the legendary Billy Wall. Uh, uh, he was one of the ones that was... Uh, but the problem was you had triple-layer canopies you know, and if you're jumping night and you got like three layers of canopies down there and you can't see nothing, you can't see the ground, you can't see anything, you know, and you're going to wind up with, uh, you know, people getting hurt. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you're going to be hanging from a tree somewhere. Yeah. And uh, so it didn't work out too good. And the other thing was they'd, they'd come out with these little uh, electronic things. So if the team was separated, you know, you could beep, 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 beep. And the problem was it didn't work if they got wet. <laughs> So, so that 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 kind of uh that kind of uh uh put an end to that yeah know? yeah but uh you know uh, that that whole terrain wasn't uh ideal for you know uh, you know making large uh scale parachute uh drops you know uh it's amazing yeah. that y'all could even get close enough to the ground yeah. to step off of a, a of of your helicopter to make an insert i mean i imagine there were only a certain few spots y'all could insert on right yeah yeah and we also uh uh you had to, uh some, sometimes when you had to be extracted out you know you couldn't get a chopper in uh you know uh so we had uh initially we had what we call uh uh mcguire rigs mm-hmm. basically your rope <laughs> and uh and uh, they'd pull you out, you know. I mean, you'd be hanging under the chopper while they're dragging you out, you know. And uh, and uh, uh, I can it, imagine that's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, uh, you had to hang on. So if you're getting fired at, you couldn't fire back, you know, while you're being pulled out. And, yeah. Uh, uh, you, I mean, you could actually flip upside down, you know. Uh, and uh, we actually lost a lieutenant uh uh, I mean, this E4 was trying to hold him up. Uh, I can't remember the, the name, but uh, he was trying to hold him up, and he couldn't hold him, and he, he fell. But they, uh, some of the guys that run used to run the Recondo School come up with what they call a stabo rig, which was basically we had a harness, mm-hmm. and then they just hook on you, hook on to the harness, you know, and they, they you know, pull you out. Uh, uh, so they you, drop those those ropes down through the canopy, and then yeah. you guys would just hook up, and they would take off. Yeah, and of course you're getting dragged through the trees and everything. Gosh <laughs> Almighty! I man. mean, uh, when you had to hold on to the rope, I mean, how how much of a distance would they get to a clearing and stop and let you get in, or or how far were uh, you hanging on? Yeah, you'd hang on so you could get uh, sometimes get uh, you know, but basically back to a, a secure area. You know, you got to basically got to get out of uh, out of the jungle. You know, uh, so sometimes you were hanging on right to you uh, got back to the. Uh, uh, launch site <laughs> so what would that be a, a an hour or yeah wow uh, sometimes uh gets a little cold and, uh, up there at altitude don't it and, and and usually uh you had various assorted shrubbery 
Fortunately, I didn't have to do that but one time. <laughs> Gosh, dog, yeah. Bo. Uh, I, t- I tell people one thing I was good at, you know, and I was really proud. I could run. <laughs> I, could, I could move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got a picture here of Bo back in his younger days when he was actually deployed to Vietnam, and I wish you guys could see it, man. I might take a picture and use yeah, that one. Yeah, because he's just, uh, you can tell, he's been out in the sun. He's fit. He's got an old white T-shirt on. The <laughs> sleeve's about ripped off of it. I mean, this guy, Bo, you, was, you were out doing some work, man. I love that. And yeah. still got a good haircut, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's one thing that uh, my uh, future father-in-law liked about me. I, mean, I, I asked my wife if she wanted to go out for a date, and uh, she said, well, you're going to have to ask my daddy. So her, her daddy was military, too. Uh, and I went over, and I asked him, I said, uh, uh, can I take Penny out on a date? And his opinion was, any kid that's got his hair cut that short bound to have some common sense. <laughs> <laughs> Bo might be questioning us when I'm he pulled up. I'm surprised you even give us an interview, Bo. We ain't had a haircut in a year and a half. Well, I'm. Uh, uh, I I had my haircut uh, uh, two weeks ago from uh, uh, Monday, and two days later, the guy at my barber died. Dang. Yeah. Uh, uh, he. Uh, he talks a lot, and I liked him, but I, I don't know. Uh, uh, some of the stuff he, he, he said was kind of uh, uh, strange and weird, but uh, he was a good guy. Uh, and his wife told me he just went to bed and didn't wake up, you know. But uh, uh, I, w- I was over at Thomas Funeral Home there in Calhoun, uh, and, uh, and his name, the barber's name was Don Thomas. And uh, they were telling me, said, yeah, oh, Don was over here telling us he, uh, he, could, he knew how to kill a man 2,000 different ways. And I said, well, maybe that's true. I said, but there's only one way I like to kill him. That's long distance. <laughs> I heard that, brother. That's and the I, safest way, yeah, ain't it? Yeah, I'm not fond of that hand-to-hand combat stuff, you know. I mean, yeah, you yeah. Know, I don't want you to get that close to me. <laughs> oh, people ask me that all the time when they ask me, well, you, you're a SEAL. You must be able to do some hand-to-hand combat, you know? And I say, look, man, if if I was in the SEAL teams and you got close enough to me that I had to put my hands on you, something has went terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. Terribly wrong. Because I've got a rifle that has maximum effective range up to 400 meters. Yeah. And if I hadn't shot you somewhere in between 400 meters and you getting up close enough arms reaching me i've i have not done my job that's right you yeah. know i mean uh you know uh, uh let chuck norris do all that <laughs> hand to hand stuff you know i mean i uh i don't want you to get too close to me you know you might have bad breaths <laughs> i guarantee you brother <laughs> but i i uh i tell uh when i talk to you know when i talk to schools i haven't talked to them to them quite a while but i like to throw humor in there you know and and one of the things i'd start out telling them uh I am a retired United States Army first sergeant. I said, Superman is uh, can leap tall buildings in a single bound. He catches speeding bullets in his teeth. Actually, I messed up. Uh, he catches speeding bullets in his teeth. Uh, he's more powerful than a locomotive, 
and he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. I said, first sergeants, we catch speeding bullets in our teeth. We kick the locomotive off the track, and we pick up the tall buildings and walk under them. And I said, and by the way, the boogeyman, before he goes to bed at night, he checks his closet and under his bed to make sure there's not a first sergeant hiding there. And I said, uh, by the way, uh, Chuck Norris wears first sergeant underwear. <laughs> and they're like, ooh. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding, but, you know, I, you know, I like that. Oh, that's perfect, man. Yeah. Well, so, Bo, you, when you come off of your you, – you come back home from deployment. You spend three years in Germany. Yeah. The war starts to wind down. Yeah. You decide to stay in the Army yeah. for 23 years. What? Why did you after the war was over? What What kept you there? What kept you in the army? And what were you doing? Well, I was, uh, you know, I was. Uh, I, I made up my mind that I was going to retire, and like I said, I was in Germany, and again, once again, I get a. You know, I'm. I'm a, like I said, I'm with a small detachment. Uh, we're uh, working with MI, uh, military intelligence, and. Uh, I get a phone call that said, uh, you know, uh, my personnel, I was in my, my personnel was in uh, Frankfurt. Uh, and they called me and said, do you got orders to go back to the States? And I said, where am I going? They said, well, we can't tell you right now. We don't know. And uh, I said, okay. Uh, you know, and they said, it's a special assignment, which scares the heck out of me. Every <laughs> time I hear that, a special assignment. Yeah, that I, low, yeah, you've been on some special assignments by now. You know what that means, <laughs> yeah. right? So, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I took a leave. I got a leave, and uh, I come back. And uh, I was assigned to, uh, to the uh, Office of Joint Chiefs of Staff, where my assignment was. So, I, uh, you know, I report in up to the Pentagon. Don't worry about yeah. it. We're good. And uh, I'm like, uh, before I report in, how do I get out of here? They're like, you can't get out of here. You was handpicked for this. And I said, okay. And uh, so what? Basically, what I wound up doing, I was, uh, you know, like I, I was assigned to the office of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and uh, I worked for the Secretary of Defense. I worked, matter of fact, I worked, uh, overall, I wound up working for them. And what we, what we did, we were a, uh, 24 hour, seven day a week, 365 day a year, ears and operations for the secretary, secretary of defense. Everything that came, went to the sec, sec came through us. And it was our job to keep him reported uh, keeping him informed on what was going on, uh, saying uh, Somalia, uh, whatever was going on in the world, that was our job. We were we were we were his uh, his intelligence people, his operations people, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we had uh, teams. You know, I, I was a team leader, and uh, uh, we uh, my team would work uh, from seven to three in the morning or seven in the morning three in the afternoon then we'd uh for three days and then we'd work three days from three in the afternoon to 11 at night and then we'd uh, be off four days and then we'd come back and we would would work uh three days from 11 at night to seven in the morning 
and then we'd be off three days and we'd start all over again. But that was what we did. We was uh, we was handpicked to uh, 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 keep the sick deaf informed of what was going on. So that I mean, that's a pretty big job. Uh, oh, you, yeah. you know, and yeah. and do you think was that? Was that because so your time at SOG did that kind of follow you through the precede you through the rest of your career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, you know, the fact of my uh, I had a very very high security clearance, you know, based on yeah. SOG uh, and uh, you know and on what I did in uh, you know in Germany, and so you know uh, and uh, uh, at one time uh, you know uh, later on in my career I was. Uh, 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 you had 11 bush, and uh, I, I became uh, 11 foxtrot, which was uh, infantry uh, operations, you know. And so uh, <coughs> I had that in my uh, in agenda, uh, or in my, uh, uh, I guess what I'm trying to think of the word. Resume. Uh, resume. Resume, there yeah. you go. I knew, I knew it was, had something started with an R. <laughs> you were close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm getting seen now in my old age, uh, but basically, uh, and uh, but uh, you know, uh, it was it was a uh, it was a good job, interesting job. I uh, I got to meet uh, a lot of different people. Uh, I met Richard Nixon, matter of fact. <laughs> I uh, but we we also provided intel reports to uh, you know. The, chairman of the joint chiefs of staff uh, and also to the white house and to the state department so uh uh quite frequently i had to you know i would have to go over to the state department or to the uh, to the white house usually when i went to the white house i dealt with the uh the military assistant to the president uh, who at the time was uh, general scowcroft but uh, one time I, I went over and uh they just brought some pow's back from vietnam and they were there meeting the president. So General Scarcroft said, you want to uh, meet some of your, uh, some of the POWs, you know? And I said, sure, you know? And uh, of course they were in with the president. And so I went in and uh, I got to meet Nixon and <laughs> some of the guys just come back from, you know, Vietnam from being held prisoner. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, I, it was a three year stabilized tour. In other words, they, I was pretty, and uh, the army couldn't reassign me because I, Came under the jurisdiction uh, at that time, even though I was an uh, army. I came under the jurisdiction of uh, the uh, Secretary of Defense, mm. and uh, so I kept after him and after him. And uh, you know, I mean, it was the, the job was good, but I didn't like Washington D.C. at all. Well, that's and that's a hard shift from from yeah. combat deployment in Vietnam. I mean, yeah, you, oh yeah. You know, did, were you ever did did you get your did do you feel like you got your feel of Vietnam on, on your I, tour, or, or was there a part of you that that struggled with wanting to be back in more of a combat role? Yeah, well, yes. Uh, uh, I, I carried a knot around in my stomach for a long time, uh, and it happened. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, it actually, uh, at, uh, at one time, uh, Stryker Meyer was the... Uh, one zero of R, uh, uh, well, I, I call it RT now, most of them, but uh, Spike Team Iowa. And uh, they were put into a, 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 an LZ in uh, uh, Northern Laos. And, uh, 
and I was I was uh, I wanted to go uh, with them, even though I wasn't on the team. Uh, uh, Striker Meyer wasn't there. I, I I don't know where he was at at the time, but it was Lane and Owens was the two Americans on the team, and I wanted to go, but they wouldn't let me go because I was uh, out processing. You know, I volunteered to go because uh, uh, Lane wanted to, you know, an extra American. But I, you know, I, like I said, I started out processing, and they put they put I uh, I said uh, did I say Iowa or Idaho? Idaho, uh, I Idaho, Idaho. Yeah, that was right. So uh, uh, the the what we heard the last thing we heard was uh, was uh, Lane on on the radio. You know, and he was uh, prayer fire, prayer fire. That meant where in the world of crap, you know? Yeah. And prayer fire, prayer fire, we're surrounded by NVA. We're surrounded by NVA. And that was the last we heard. And we put a bright light team in. And uh, uh, all they found was look where there had been, looked like a big uh, fight. And uh, nobody's ever recovered. Uh, uh, as far as I know, uh, they've never been recovered. Uh, and uh, but I wanted to go and I couldn't go because they said because they'd already started pulling my records and yeah. everything. And I always carried that around in me. And I'm thinking, you know, damn, I should have been there. I should have been with those guys. But you know, uh, there's a whole uh, part of me that says, well, you know, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't have made any difference. You know, yeah. and and there wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be no. Uh, no Tanya, no Tara, no no great grandson Houston, you know, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, so it, if it's a, it always kind of bothered me though, you know, that you know, I could have been there, you know, if I'd if I'd have volunteered to stand, I could have been there. Yeah, but I didn't, and uh, so I carried around. I, it still bugs me today, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it bothers me sometimes. Uh, uh, I wrote a poem. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll send it to you. I wrote a poem uh, called "Hidden Wounds" about uh, hidden wounds that you know sometimes can uh, can stay buried in you. Then something will uh, pop up, you know, and uh, and it, and it, it'll kind of open up the wound again, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and surprisingly enough, uh, a lot of veterans that I've showed it to. Uh, Seems to help them sometimes, you know. I, I don't know why, you know, but, uh, uh, and I'd never really written poems before. Uh, and it's just, uh, I was uh, watching a TV show, uh, and uh, it and it, it just popped up, and, you know, I, I had to put it down to words. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, you know, there are hidden wounds or scars that, you know, sometimes can be reopened. And, uh, uh, do you remember it? I, I I somewhat, uh, uh, but I can get I can give you a copy of it. I can send you a copy. Of it. Yeah, I'd love to see that, Bo. but uh, at the end, you know, I put uh, you know, I I uh, basically I ended by saying, I pray that when I walk through heaven's door, those hidden scars will be no more. You know, so you know, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, it uh, you know it, it just something it was just something that popped into my head, you know, when I was watching that show, it brought back a memory and, uh, and, uh, it made me think about, you know, uh, Lane and Owens, uh, you know, uh, 
and the other the rest of the team members, indigenous team members, you know, and uh, and you know other guys, uh, and uh, so you know, uh, but you know, I, 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 uh, the, the the biggest thing I worried about when I come back from Vietnam was uh, when I would wake up and I could be halfway down the hallway. And I'd wake up, you know how you slowly come awake, and I'd have a have a weapon in my hand, and I was afraid that uh, I might wind up hurting somebody in my family. You mm -hmm. know, it scared me really bad. Uh, so you know, I mean, uh, and uh, just a re reaction, you know. And I, yeah. I, uh, I used to. I used to have, uh, uh, I don't know, you call them dreams or nightmares, but I would, uh, uh, it was like I was in a firefight and I couldn't stop them. They just kept coming and coming and coming. And no matter what I did, I, no matter how many how many I killed, I, I couldn't stop them. Or, or, or it'd be like I'd look down and it'd be like I'd have a, a tail gun in my hand, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't doing anything, you know. So, uh, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if that, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, it was, yeah, it took me a while to get over that, you know. I mean, it took a while. I mean, it, uh, has know. time helped? What what has helped you most, Bo? Well, uh, I uh, I'd kind of drifted away from uh, uh, church from. Uh, 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 you know, I, I don't, I, ne I don't think I ever drifted away from Christ or God, but I wasn't really paying that much attention, you know, yeah. to Him. Uh, and I think getting re reconnected is what helped me. Helped heal, heal your heart a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I uh, uh, usually, uh, you know, Memorial Day or. Uh, Veterans Day, uh, I do, you know, I do something at church. Uh, there was eight guys from Gordon County that were killed in Vietnam, and I'd read their names off. And, uh, uh, you know, I've always I always carried the names of uh, Sullivan and Almendrez and Benavitez and Wright and, I mean, uh, mm. uh, uh, Owens and Lane, uh, King, uh and the guys that from SOG that were killed in uh, uh, killed in Vietnam. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, and you know those those names. Uh, you know, they'll always be uh, etched in my head and in my in my mind. And uh, so uh, Seymour, uh, and uh, you know, but then you know they're there, and I, I, uh, I learned to you know to live with it. And uh, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if any of the guys, you know, had what they call PTSD now. I mean, uh, uh, when I came back from Vietnam, I didn't even know what uh, PTSD was, you know. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, they just expected y'all to just yeah. go right on about your business, right? Yeah. But I, I will say one thing, you know, that was different between me and guys like me and some other guys, you know, like – if you were a draftee from like Podunk, Arkansas, and you went to Vietnam and you survived and you come back to Podunk, Arkansas, 
there wasn't anybody in there that knew what you what you'd been through. That's right. You know, and uh, but with me, you know, I I was still in the military. That's right. So I I was stationed a lot of times with the guys that were also Vietnam veterans. You know, so you know I had people I could talk to. That guy from Podunk, Arkansas, didn't. You know, that's and right. So you know, uh, to, uh, and one thing that uh, has helped me too. Uh, it's when, uh, you know, uh, when my grandkids uh, and my kids uh, started coming up through school and they were saying, uh, hey, Papa, would you come talk to my class at school about mm -hmm. Vietnam? And so I was talking to people, and and, and it was kind of a, a, a healing thing, too, to talk about it. I, you, know, I, I, you know, I could tell people about it and... I speak mostly in generalities. I don't get into a lot of details, but I talk about things that we should have done and that could have been done, or, or and uh, what are the different reasons, you know? Because uh, you know, uh, uh, history books can't tell you that, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, that's the truth. And uh, so, you know, it it was kind of a a blessing, you know. And I, I I've always had this weird sense of humor, you know, so I can. I can throw a little humor in there. Uh, That's uh, necessary. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, well, well, I, 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 I love what you, what you're talking about too uh, of carrying those men's name and speaking their name even here on the pot on this when we record this and we release it. Yeah. It's gonna be out there from yeah. now on until the internet goes away, which yeah. probably never. And yeah. we did, uh, th I, I'm big, we did, yesterday, we did a special episode for Memorial Day where we read the honor roll. Yeah. We read every seal, the name of every seal that's been killed since September 11, 2001. Wow. Now, that's yeah. just a small list. That's a very small list. Yeah. But, you know, it is important that we carry those names and yeah. to know that God's had, a, what a, a, just had another purpose for you. The reason you weren't out on that mission it's partly because so you can carry those men's names. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And man, that's that's powerful, Bo. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, uh, yeah. It's, like I said, you know, I, uh, I've had a, a weird sense of humor. I, I I get through a lot of things because I, you know, I'm really kind of weird. <laughs> all, I all, get it, Bo. My own special way. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, uh, usually, no matter what uh, what happens, my sense of humor uh, uh, carries me through a lot of times. You know, yeah. Uh, sometimes I can uh, I can see something, and then uh, you know, uh, my sense of humor. You know, it was like with uh, Uh, can we turn it off just yeah, a second? Yeah, go ahead. We'll take a little break, Bo. Go ahead. Hey, guys, I want to take a second to tell you about a company that supports 3 of 7 Project in a big way. It is Shea Butler Knives. Shea Butler Knives. So we have uh, worked with Shea for quite a while now. Shea handcrafts some of the finest knives on earth uh, in yeah, he supports 3 of 7 Project with his talents, with his products in a big way. He's he's our personal friend, and we just want to shout him out. If you guys are looking for 
a literally an heirloom quality knife that's going to last you not only for your lifetime, but for generations, something that can be handed down. Go and check Shay out and place an order with him um, because he's got the knife that you need. You guys know me. I am a knife snob. I actually appreciate a, a good handmade knife more than I do a fancy gun because uh, they, they're just works of art, man. And Shay's the person to go to. Handmade blades based in the Midwest. Uh, check them out at shaybutlerknives.com, S-H-A-Y-B-U-T-L-E-R-K-N-I-V-E-S.com. Check them out on Instagram at shaybutlerknives. He's got everything from fixed blade knives to multiple types of folding knives, um, hunting knives, bushcraft knives. He's got if you he's got one something for whatever you need to do. Um, so thank you, Shay, for supporting Three of Seven Project. Thank you for making such an amazing product. We really appreciate you, brother. Enough said. I tell you. Uh, have you got used to that cell phone yet, bro? I'm working on it. Uh, yeah, I'm working on it. I'll tell you what I do. Uh, uh, let me uh, kind of uh, go off a little yeah. off the side. Uh, uh, my grandson graduated from uh, basic training at Fort Jackson. And uh, so we were on the way back home. My daughter was driving. And she kept getting calls on her cell phone. So uh, I told her, I said, let me let me answer it. So uh, she had her phone ring, and I said, uh, Lieutenant Jones, homicide, can I help you? And I didn't hear anything. And I said, this is Lieutenant Jones, homicide. Can I be, be of assistance? And I hear this woman's voice said, Tracy Hudson? And I said, uh, excuse me, ma'am. I said, hold on the phone just a second. I said, okay, guys, go ahead and cover the body up and tell the coroner he can take it away whenever he's ready. <laughs> and I, I come back on. I said, ma'am, I said, uh, what's your connection to Tracy Hudson? Uh, well, we were wanting to talk to her about insurance, but I don't guess she needs it now. <laughs> 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 and, I, and I said, uh, yes, ma'am, you're probably right. You got him good on that <laughs> one, didn't you? And, uh, and she, uh, she said, well, Thank you, Lieutenant. I'll have her name removed from our call. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to use that one. I might have to use that one one and, day. Uh -huh. And my daughter was just dying. <laughs> oh, I bet she was, man. I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Gosh, I'm lying. But any, anyway, I'm sorry I sidetracked. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, I went to school, and then uh, I, I went to work for uh, a uh, company that used to be called Superior Rubber, uh, Master Matt. And uh, and then they come in and they uh, they fired uh, fired the plant manager or well not the plant manager but the human resources guy and, and the production supervisor and brought in a guy I didn't like uh, so uh, I'm like well I ain't gonna stay here so I um, I told people I'm gonna uh, find me another job and uh, and uh, so somebody told me said uh, why don't you go over to Cabelco. And I, where what, where and what is Cabelco? And they said it, uh, it's the uh, new Challenge Cook building, uh, where Challenge Cook used to be. And so I went over, put an application, and uh, and uh, 
couple of days later, I had a, uh, a message on my phone that said, uh, you know, uh, call us, you know. So uh, I called them, and they said, come on in. We want to talk to you. So I went in, and I talked to the uh, human resources guy, and uh, and uh, he said, I want you to talk to one other guy. So I went and talked to uh, Ben Rennells, and they, Ben said, well, well, we'll call you and let you know. So I'm heading out the door, and they stopped and said, come back, come back, come back. And so I went back, and they said, when can you start work? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I told them, I said, well, I have uh, about seven days vacation still left from over where I work at. And I, and uh, so I went home, and I told them, I said, I'm going to start working at uh, uh, Cabelco on the 4th of June. And uh, and uh, and I, I said, uh, the guy over at uh, Superiors want me to work at least till next Tuesday. And they said, why do you want to do that for? I said, go to Texas. Go see your mom and dad. <laughs> so I said, okay. <laughs> so I, I loaded up and headed out to Texas and stayed out and didn't come back and went to work for Cabelco for uh, – about sixteen, about sixteen years, and uh, wow. retired out of Cabelco, uh, and uh, uh, I, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun uh, working there. I had a lot of good, good friends, uh, and uh, uh, I, uh, I had a friend of mine. Uh, he'd got out of the Marine Corps before he come to work at Cabelco, and he had some Marine stuff, and he needed some money, so. I bought like a marine. It had like a marine boonie hat and had a canteen, some other stuff, and uh, so I was I was wearing the uh, boonie cap in Cabelco one day, and uh, this young guy come by and he said, "I didn't know you had been in the Marine Corps, Boa." I said, "I wasn't." I said, "I just saw a marine guy wearing the cap, so I went over, kicked his rear end, chucked the hat, and, <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Okay," so he left, and somebody come over and said. Said, you know that guy just got out of the Marines, don't you? I, said, I hope I didn't hurt his feelings. <laughs> There's that sense of humor again, Bo. I mean, yeah, but I, I tell you, uh, 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 I have to watch myself. Sometimes I get, you know, uh, I can get a little cranky. You know, uh, I, uh, I, hey, I, we all, I, I do not like to see. A, a woman abused i mean uh uh about uh you know and I, I you know i'm 79 years old this guy was like 30 years old and he grabbed this woman by the hair had her hair like that and i, I didn't even think about it i mean it, it didn't even nothing penetrated my brain i was just up and bam i i hit him knocked him up against the up against the wall and he's like don't hit me no more don't hit me no more and i said i'm not just keep your hands off the lady, you know? Yeah. And uh, I apologized to people around, and they said, no, you did what you did was right. And uh, and one of the guys said, man, i never seen Bo mad before. I hope he don't get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I uh, it, it wasn't something. It was just instinct, you know? Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, when he grabbed her by the hair, it was just like, Oh well, you know, I mean, I was just up, and uh, yeah. so I, I have to watch myself sometimes. Well, uh, you, you've devoted your whole life, Bo, to to service, serving your country, mm -hmm. serving your fellow man, and that's that muscle memory. And yeah. 
You know, that's something that's something that I, I, I I'm nowhere I I'm not nearly as far on my journey as you are now, but it's something that I struggle with, you know, yeah. and I, I I catch myself doing that quite yeah. often and it's yeah. all I try to explain to people when you spend that much time in that warrior environment, that yeah. is your life. Yeah. And it, it shapes your mind in a different way. Yeah. Uh and it's just part of you. And it's not a bad part of you. Yeah. It's just different than most people can understand. Yeah. Well, it was like after I, you know, first come back, uh, I had a, a, a young guy, you know, a friend of my my, uh, my son's, uh, came up and uh, at, uh, you know, I had my back to him, and he put grabbed me on by the shoulder, and you know, next thing I knew, you know, he was he was upside down hitting the wall, you know, because uh, you know I'd done. Uh, Flipped him over and wept him up against yeah. the wall. Yeah, man. Yeah, so, but uh, uh, I, I later on in, in the Army, uh, I became a, a first sergeant of a basic training company. And uh, uh, I had a, a name that they called me uh, was Thunderbolt. What, what the drill, drill sergeant secretly called me was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because, I mean, uh, uh if something wasn't right, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I was, uh, I mean, uh, they, uh, uh, one time we had a, a, a graduating class from basic training and, uh, they, you know, the drill sergeant's supposed to make sure the barracks are spotless, you know? Yeah. And when me and the CO went around to inspect, it wasn't. So guess who was in cleaning up the, the mess that was left behind? My drill sergeants, <laughs> and uh, I've had people, you know, tell me, said, uh, "Do you enjoy tra- chewing out trainees?" I said, "Nah." I said, "I can chew out drill sergeants." <laughs> <laughs> I heard that, brother. <laughs> and I had uh, uh, an incident, uh, and uh, uh, the army in their intelligence, they pulled company clerks and uh, supply clerks and put them at battalion. So, you know, uh, you have to do a morning report. You know, it has to go up. I have to, you know, I have to tell them how many people's in training, how many's on sick call, you know, how many's this and that. And so the company was uh, uh, going out to the range, and I was doing the report before I went out to the range. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we had some of them that were coming back from sick call, and uh, Drill Sergeant Johnson come in. To take the ones that were coming back from sick call that were returned to duty out to the range. So I hear all this commotion going on out in the hallway. You're going to the range. I'm not going to the range. You're going to the range. And I went out and and Johnson had took the kids' uh, field equipment and threw it down in the floor. And I told uh, Joe Sergeant Johnson, I said, take the rest of the people, go out to the range. And I told the young man, I said, come in here, come into my office. I said, we got two things we're going to talk about. I said, number one, if you're ever in combat with me and I give you an order and you don't obey it and you're in danger lives, I said, I'll probably kill you myself. I said, the second thing you need to know, you know, and I didn't holler. I just said, do you want to go to the range the easy way or the hard way? He said, I want to go to the range first, Sergeant. I said, good, get your equipment. I'll take you out there. The next person I got was Drill Sergeant Johnson. I said, you do not 
argue with a trainee. You lower yourself down to their level. Mm. They either do what they're told or they have to pay a, a penalty for it. Yeah. You know? And it's that simple. You don't That's have life. to holler. You don't have to scream. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and you know, uh, you know, but the, the, the whole deal was the kid had never been really been around weapons before, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I guess he was afraid, you know, he might get shot or killed with the, you know, with an M16 rifle. So, you know, and I, I'd been this before I'd went down at the training company, I'd been the senior instructor, uh, for the weapons committee. And so I, I knew all the guys on the, you know, the weapons committee, the, uh, running ranges and everything. So I, I took the young man out there and I stayed with him all day that first day. Every time he shot around, I was, I was right there with him and he was afraid. He was afraid. That's all he was. Yeah. He was afraid. But after he knew, realized that M16 wasn't just going to jump up and kill him, he was fine. No mm -hmm. more problem, you know? Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, as a first sergeant, I believed in taking care of my people. I believed in taking care of my troops. And uh, uh, if you don't mind, I, I, I and I and I tell people this one this one incident uh, that occurred to me meant more to me than any any of the ribbons you see wear, me wearing me wearing my on my uniform. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the first. Saturday, or the first time this particular training company had PX privileges. And they, it was on Saturday afternoon, they could go to the PX and, you know, come back. For y'all listeners, the PX is the little store that's yeah. their own base. And yeah. when you get through boot camp, you finally get to buy, they got like toothpaste, toothbrushes, <laughs> floss, deodorant, like nothing special. But, yeah. but, uh, anyway, they, uh, they had the privileges and, uh, and, uh, and most of my drill sergeants had already had already left. I had my duty NZO, my duty drill sergeant there, uh, charge a quarter. So, to, uh, and uh, so he come down and he told me. He said, first sergeant. He said, some of the trainees have requested permission to speak to you. And uh, now I'm not a first sergeant that sits behind a desk and hides. You know, I I I believe in being with my troops. I believe in taking care of my troops. And uh, so I said, sure, you know, bring them on down. I'll talk to them. So they, they come in, and they told me, said, first sergeant said, we were on the way back from the PX, and we saw this young uh, guy sitting at the bus stop, and he really looked down and dejected, said he really looked bad. And so we stopped and started talking to him, and he said he was going to AWOL. And we told him, said, no, don't go AWOL. Come talk to our first sergeant. And I said, well, you know, I don't like to interfere in somebody else's business. I said, but I'll, I'll talk to the young man. So he come in, and I sat down, and I talked with him for a while, and he talked to me. And uh, I told him, I said, look, I know you're first sergeant. I said, your first sergeant uh, is a friend of mine. And I know if what you're telling me is true, then first sergeant marshal will take care of it. And uh, so I called First Sergeant Marshall up, and I said, look, I'm not trying to interfere in your company business. I said, uh, my people brought one of your people down, and I said, I, it sounds like a, a legitimate situation, a legitimate problem. So uh, Marshall come over, talked with the young man, 
and then they left. And then uh, when he graduated from basic training, he come over and thanked me. And to think that my people thought that I cared enough about them that I'd take care of somebody else's <laughs> troop. I mean, it meant a lot to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it meant, uh, I mean, uh, uh, that they knew that I would take care of them and I'd take care of him, you know, mm -hmm. somebody else too, you know. And, uh, and, uh, so, you know, uh, as, uh, anything that anybody could have pinned on my chest, uh, uh, couldn't, couldn't uh, you know, been any better. Well, I, yeah, and, you know, I, I love it how, you know, your generation and, and the the Army that that you served in, you know, these leadership qualities were just part of who y'all, who you guys were. Yeah. I mean, it was the way, not only the way you were raised, Bo, but it's what you exemplified throughout your entire career and and it seems like nowadays those leadership qualities they they've been nuked they've been complicated and, and everybody's searching for it and and you just make it sound so you make it sound so simple it's just like <laughs> this is what happened in combat this is what happened when I was in this leadership role as a, an instructor yeah. and and a leader and and all throughout your it's so simple and when you tell it it sounds that way and that's what leadership is man you know yeah. and. Well, well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I've always believed, you know, you take care of your people, you get them trained, and when uh, all of that combines into making somebody that you can depend on, and that, uh, and that's going to have pride in themselves and their unit, you know. There you go. Uh, you know, uh, I mean. Uh, you know, you well, you know, being a SEAL, you know, and even being, uh, you know, uh, Army Special Forces or whatever, you know, you take great pride in that, you know, because yeah. not everybody can do that. Not everybody is going to take that uh, one day at a time thing. I, you know, one more day and I'll make it. One more day That's and it, I'll make brother. it. You know, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people quit. They drop out. And uh, but you get that sense of pride, you know. And I, like I was telling you, you know, I mean. Uh, you put me in that uh, old uh, uh, short sleeve khaki uniform and a pair of Spitzshine Cochran jump boots, and I strutted. I mean, I had yeah. pride in who I was, yeah. and uh, and I've never stood in a parade or anything where they played the Star Spangled Banner or uh, or whatever you know, uh, uh, country uh, patriotic song that I didn't feel a sense of pride just run down through my whole Amen, body, brother. Yep. I mean, it. Uh, I, I took pride in myself. I took pride in my country. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my country, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, that's the way I was raised. Uh, you know, that's the way I believe. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's becoming more and more rare. But it, it's, man, it's a, people need to hear this because it's an essential quality that's yeah. going to keep our nation alive, right? We have uh, to have that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm a... I'm a we are so totally divided in this country right now. I mean, uh, uh, used to, you know, uh, you could sit down, you could have disagreements, but you could talk about it, and you could reach, uh, you know, whatever you reached. But now they they, they can't even talk to each other. You know? That's right. I mean, it's uh, it's just anger 
there uh, uh, the people who say uh, I don't know I might uh, the people who say they're uh, trying to uh, uh, get rid of racism are promoting racism in the things oh, yeah. that they do. Oh know? yeah, a hundred percent, brother. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. uh, I've never, you know, I've never considered myself a racist. I've never, you know, I've, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I tell people, you know, uh, uh, I've, I've seen. Uh, Black guys, I've seen white guys uh, shot to pieces, and the blood is all the same. That's it, brother. The blood is all the same. Yep. You know, there's nothing, nothing different. No. You know, and, uh, and I think the only that on that specific topic, the only solution to racism is God's word. It says yeah. we are all one yeah. under Christ. Yeah. It, it, there's literally no difference. And Bo, <laughs> you learned that in combat. Yeah, it's 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 just because it's truth. And if one thing the military can do for any and everybody, yeah. no matter where you're from or what your background is or what your beliefs are, when you go and join the military, especially a specialized unit where you have to work closely together, you realize how quick all that bull crap, all that division between color and background and political, all that goes away. Yeah. And, and we can work together as a team of men, human beings, in order to accomplish a mission. That yeah. was one of the most beautiful things I got from the Navy because I grew up in a very racist environment, yeah. culture. I mean, oh, yeah. down, down south, that was the culture, yeah. even when I was growing up. And, you know, you going to the – me going into the Navy, without a doubt, is the best thing that I ever did in my life. Because it makes you realize how stupid all that stuff is, yeah, and all yeah. that squabbling is, yeah, and uh -huh. um, you know, it's a, I, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent, brother. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, like I say, you know, I mean, uh, the blood is all the same, and, uh, and you know, and uh, if you read, you know, in the beginning, God created man in His image, is what He said. I created in my image. Yep. So we're all Images of God. That's it. You know, uh, you know uh, we might have some of might have a darker tan than others. You know, uh, yep. Uh, but uh, you know, we're all human, all creators of God. Isn't that a wonderful, simple solution? Yeah. yeah. I mean, how mm -hmm. can you, you you can't get no more simpler than that? I yeah. Mean. Yeah. But uh, I mean, uh, I uh, you know, but I know I I've seen racism. You know, I mean, I. Uh, uh, when we came back from Germany, you know, uh, uh, with my dad, you know, in 1958 to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, you know, I, I went to school with uh, Eddie James, you know, was, uh, one of my best friends, and to be told, hey, when you get to Georgia in 1958, y'all ain't going to be able to do like you do, you know, you've been doing over here in Germany. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, why, you know? Yeah. You know, why, why? Why does that make a difference? You know, I mean, uh, uh, we're still going to be the same people. That's it, brother. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you just can't, you can't put no logic to it because it's foolishness is what yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Bo, uh, I, we, I, we, <laughs> I think, I think we had about, we're, we're at three and a half hours now, brother. <laughs> we, we're going to, we're going to wrap this one up. Okay. Uh, 
I'll tell you what, brother, we'd love to have you back out. Okay. Another time, man, to All right. to just keep keep hearing these these all this these stories, your experiences through a life lived to the fullest, man. Yeah. A life well lived. Yeah. Really. I yeah. I mean it, and I just I can't thank you enough, brother. All right. Uh can I mention one more one 100%, more name before brother. we go? Uh Roy Benavitez, uh won the Medal of Honor. And and to show you how man can do, uh, Roy was a, uh, basically operations NCO, mm-hmm. and but uh, the team was in trouble in Cambodia. His friend uh, uh, Wright and Musso were uh, on the team, and uh, believe it or not, about fifteen k's away across the border is an uh an american unit but because of the rules and regulations couldn't get over to help the team so we're getting a bright light team in uh roy was one of the first ones in he was shot seven times had a bayonet run all the way through his arm was clubbed in the head with the butt of an ak-47 and he's still credited with saving eight guys lives and he won the medal. He won the Medal of Honor. Uh, Roy died in '98, uh, and uh, but uh, as badly wounded as he was, the chopper that medevaced him out, uh, he was with Musso. Uh, Musso died on the way, though. But be as bad as he was, he would not leave Musso's side. He stayed with him all the way. He all the way, to, you know, until they got mm. to Tonsonute and uh, and. Uh, of course, Musso died on the way, but uh, that's the kind of men that I worked with. That's the kind of men I worked with. It, this uh, and this is what that obviously being an extreme example, yeah, uh, of what we talk about is going to set you apart in life. Mm-hmm. Is that you just got to keep getting up? Yeah, like Bo said, you just got to keep taking another step showing up that day and saying i'm gonna get through this day you got to keep getting up and drawing on every remaining imagine this story that bo just told of his friend roy right yeah uh you know imagine what it took the willpower that it took for him to just keep coming Mm -hmm. yeah in that situation it's just uh you men set the standard that that we and and we need to do our best to live up to that standard and, and know what you guys did. Yeah, we need yeah. and and I think I think a lot of that, a lot of it is is being lost. Uh, the yeah. the the stories of these these men like Roy. I mean, I would have never heard heard that story yeah. more than likely if it wouldn't have been for you having the courage to come here and share it with us, Bo. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and I'm gonna tell you what, man, it strengthens my resolve. Well, good. And, and thank you guys, each you and all your teammates that went over there and uh, and made that that sacrifice for 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 our nation and for the people of Vietnam. Yeah, that you yeah. that you were there, uh, that that were there fighting alongside you guys. I mean, yeah. it's just uh, it's a it's a fine example uh, of just 
human fortitude and will and want and integrity and honor and all of those things. Yeah. Well, I had the good fortune of being, that's the way I was raised. You know, I, I come from a, a father, you know, who was a career military. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, you know, uh, uh, I didn't have to go to the movies to see John Wayne. John Wayne lived yeah. at my house. Uh, you know, my dad, a World War II veteran, Korean veteran, two tours in Vietnam, you know. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I tried to live up to my dad but i i get i didn't have enough wars to <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah you know? uh i did i did kind of hope that they'd recall me at one time for you know when uh, the stuff started in iraq and afghanistan but i guess they figured uh you know i'd be old and senile you know so. <laughs> but, but i don't I, know bo i don't but, know man you, but i, I would have went you know i know you uh, would you know uh, it's who uh, you are man yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Blake, you got anything? I just appreciate you coming on as these, uh, well, I, you know, as men like you grow older and these stories are only less and less out there. So for you to take the time to come out and share them and, and record them, I just, I can't thank you enough. Well, I, I you know, I, uh, uh, like I said, you know, uh, uh, talking about these things, you know, uh, I discovered, you know, was a, uh, was in, uh, like, uh, a treatment you know in itself yeah. you know i yeah. i mean uh talking about it it uh it um makes you uh you know makes me uh feel better you know and in, in some respects you know uh and so it don't bother me as much as it used to and of course i guess that uh you know distance time uh, yeah. you know uh lessens the impact of things but uh you know i'm not worried about jumping up at night and you know shooting somebody yeah <laughs> yeah uh, of course, I, you know, if you break into my house, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that, Mo. But anyway, I appreciate you guys having me out. You well, know, thank uh, you, brother. And I, yeah. I hope our friendship carries on. And uh, it's just, just yeah. nice to know there's men like you here in our community uh, with the mindset that you have and the willingness that you have to share, man. It's yeah. truly well, an honor. I think I told Blake when, when I talked to him, uh, uh, I promise not to tell any Navy SEAL jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're going to save them for the next episode. Yeah. We'll no, save. I, I truly respect, uh, I, I, like I said, I respect all branches of service. I, you know, I just, like I said, I have this weird sense of humor, and I, li I like to pick at people a little bit. <laughs> I heard that, brother. Ain't nothing wrong with that, Bo. But I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your service, you know. Thank you, brother. I, I know what you guys go th had to go through, and uh, – and uh as well i mean uh uh it uh not everybody can do things you know not everybody you know uh it's just a few that can make it through you know seal training or special forces training yeah. or anything like that it i mean it takes that you got to have that attitude you know because uh you know they're going to try to break you you know they're going to yeah. try to break you down uh sensory deprivation as i call it you know uh you know that because if you can break, then the enemy can break you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, uh, and they got they kind of got the same model that Jesus uses. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can't you can't mold somebody into what you want them to be until you get them down to their lowest point. Yeah, 
you know yeah. and a lot of times that's what jesus does to us he yeah. waits for us to get down to our lowest point yeah right yeah. and then he says all right now i can use this guy yeah i can build him back up and use him for something good yeah you know yeah so it's a great model it yeah. works yeah it is you know but uh anyway i thank you and i thank you uh, blake for having me out here well we'll yeah. see you again bo we, right. we appreciate well, I, it i'm here for uh you know, my days are numbered, but, uh, you know, uh, I used to, I kind of kid around with people. I tell them, you know, they used to say only the good die young. So I'm probably looking at maybe 150, 160. <laughs> yeah. I like that attitude, bro. All right, guys, this is the three of seven podcast. Enough said.